0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, a couple of big stories since last we spoke, and obviously Tiger Woods' accident, the big story nationally. That uh, one-car collision was horrific, and the All-Star Reserves, the other big story, which is both national and local with our guys here. Uh, As far as the Tiger story... You know, the, the people I watched didn't want to make any predictions on him playing golf, but it doesn't sound good. Sh- certainly not in the short run. In the long run, who knows? Medicine's getting better all the time. Compound fracture to the leg. The ankle is um, in all sorts of bad shape, apparently. And then when they talk about his legs being crushed, I don't know that what that means for, you know, major arteries and all that and his circulation. That's all way above my pay grade, and they may not know in the short run. I suppose we'll hear more in the coming days. But uh, we're not going to see him at the Masters. That seems pretty clear. I don't know when we'll see him back on tour. And, you know, is that going to wipe out most of the season or all of this season? I I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But um, if you saw the vehicle, it was in terrible shape. And so, you know, priority one is he's alive. So there's that. Because when you saw that vehicle, you don't know. But apparently, you know, where he was riding was in pretty good shape. Everything around it got destroyed, but uh, where he was is in pretty good shape. Uh, That was one major story, and then we knew the All-Star Reserves were coming up last night, and I think they largely went as we expected. Most of the guys you could figure out, based on All-Stars previously, championship experience, which teams were playing well in the standings, you know, when in doubt, pick the guys who play in major markets who score a lot of points. There you go. Uh, 16 of the top 18 scorers in the league are in the game, uh, it'll be 18 of 21. I think there are three guys. I don't know how they do the qualifications. You know, in baseball, to win the batting title, you got to have a certain number of played appearances. So I don't know if it's a percentage of games played or shots. I don't know what the minimum is. I've never really looked into it. But um, the guys who don't qualify right now are Paul George and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Durant's got two titles and Irving's got one. They all three play in New York or L.A. And all those guys score at least 24 points a game. And 24 is kind of the magic number. You get to 24, you're probably in. Devin Booker is over 24, and he's not in. And Trey Young's over 24, and he's not in. I think Booker will probably get the replacement slot um, for Anthony Davis because Davis isn't going to play, it doesn't look like. uh, off everything the Lakers have said, I don't see how he would. So I'm penciling uh, Booker in there. You know, I know a lot of Jazz fans will be rooting for Conley. Gobert got in, and Mitchell got in. Well, Mitchell scores at that 24-point or a game, if you're that big a score, you're going to get in. And then Gobert is one of the outliers. Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, Rudy Gobert. Those are the guys who really aren't even close to that 24-point line. Uh, like Julius Randle's like off it by a point, maybe, so he's in. Uh, but the three real outliers are Simmons and Rudy Gobert and Chris Paul. And those guys don't score a ton of points. And Paul, you know, for the difference he made in winning unexpectedly in Oklahoma City and for the difference he made in winning unexpectedly in Phoenix— at least to this level, I think people thought Phoenix would be better. But I don't think that they thought they'd be fourth in the West and, uh, you know, really not that far out of second and third, you know. <laughs> so I don't know where they were. I, I think they were fourth in the West when the coaches voted, um, you know. But th- the point is so close to second and third, I just there's no way I think most people saw that. I mean, in Phoenix, maybe they, they thought that, you know, local guys, and you get all fired up, but around the league – I think most people had Phoenix in that seven to ten range, maybe six, but four, with a legit shot at two and three. Nah, didn't don't think so. So I think Chris Paul gets rewarded for that. Um, his numbers are good, you know, sixteen and eight, I think, um, sixteen points, eight assists a game, roughly. Uh, but they're not really all star good. But he's he's the vet, and he's had a career, and he gets rewarded for winning and changing the franchises Is too, fr- you know, you, you're the Clippers, you're supposed to win, and you're with Houston, you're supposed to win. Um, but what he's done in Oklahoma City and Houston and uh, Oklahoma City and Phoenix the last two years, I think he gets a lot of credit for. You know Simmons comes in as a number one pick and a ton of hype and a great passer and he scores, but not at that twenty point a game rate. And Gobert, you know, for his defensive dominance, two time Player of the Year, everybody knows that the Jazz defense hangs on him and the offense, as we heard Monday night after the Jazz win and George Niang, of course, went into the Zoom interview because he was seven for seven on three pointers and <laughs> scored twenty one points. He said, "Well, we we get shots because you know teams have to decide: are they giving up a dunk to Rudy, or are they gonna let somebody take a three point shot?" And on Monday night, Charlotte made a clear, and obvious decision: they were taking Rudy away, they were putting an extra guy in the paint. So it was when the Jazz ran the pick and roll, it was two offensive guys versus three defenders. But that I means somebody's open, and the Jazz three point shooters benefited. And So he was uh, he was sure to give the old. Uh, tip of the cap to Rudy Gobert for putting that pressure on the rim and drawing another defender in there. So, for all of that, Gobert gets recognized. Uh, Conley could get in as a replacement. Uh, Some of the stories I read after that, people continue to refer to him as kind of a golf thing, you know, the best golfer, never to win a major. The best NBA player, never to be an all-star. So, I think he could get in, but I, I think Booker's going to be the pick. And most of the people I saw taking a guess at this thought it would be Booker, too. And, and Berker, Booker is one of those high profile scorers. You know, he's one of those guys over 24 points a game. If he gets in, then 17 of the top 18 qualified scores will be in. Trey Young in Atlanta isn't in. He'd be the outlier. Um, but he's the only one, you know. And uh, there are other guys with good stats. You know, 20 and 10 guys usually get in, but Simonis didn't. And he's a 20 and 10 guy in, in Indiana. But you know, hadn't been to the NBA Finals, isn't an MVP, isn't in a major media market, getting a ton of hype. So he gets squeezed. What are you going to do? And, you know, I really think, and I think players know this, but nobody really wants to say it. I mean, they're going to have the all-star game because it's worth a lot of money to the TV partners. And that makes it worth a lot of money to the owners. And that makes it worth a lot of money to the players. So everybody's making money. But this is also a congested schedule and everybody's talking about that. And I think if you're in a real race to do something and you got a pretty good team, that time off isn't all bad. You know, we we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. We haven't seen it yet, but there's all kinds of talk. They they pretty much got rid of in normal times, in the before times, they got rid of four games in six days because the players are just too tired. But when the schedule comes out, there's talk that we might be seeing five games in seven days. And man, when you're, they got rid of those. You know, that that's something the Stockton Malone era, they had five games in seven days a lot, and whenever everyone complained about it, Jerry Sloan was like, oh, we played eight straight days, so I don't want to hear it. If you had to do it, you don't want to hear it. You know, why talk about it and put it in the front of your brain and, and make it another hurdle? You're going to have to fight through some fatigue anyway, but why focus on that? Um, but when you stand back objectively, if the league can spread the games out and say, hey, we're getting rid of five of seven, and we're pretty much getting rid of four or six, maybe there'll be some, but five and seven, oof. So if you're getting ready for that, why not have some downtime? Get your legs underneath you. You know, and the Jazz went on that last road trip and had the back-to-back, and their, their three-point percentage sunk for a while there. And it's like they got fatigued and they didn't bounce back. If you don't have your legs, you're not going to shoot the three as well. And so they were over 40%, and all of a sudden you find them down in the 38s, 39s, and, you know, they had a lot of 35 nights where they're shooting 34, 35 from the floor. So I know Conley wants to go. And I get that it's an exclamation point on a career, and I get why he wants to go and I appreciate him being honest and putting himself out there when he knew he might not go. You know, he knew there was a chance. How good a chance, whatever, but he knew there was a chance, but he put himself out there anyway. So appreciate all that. I mean, nobody wants to, you know, go on Zoom, ask a bunch of questions, get lied to. And he got asked, and he threw it out there. Um, But if you step back... Although they probably feel bad for him individually, I got to wonder on the Jazz coaching staff and then the Jazz front office, if they aren't thinking, I'm glad he has some downtime. I mean, it sucks for him personally and it sucks for him emotionally, but it doesn't suck for his legs. And it's not going to suck for his three-point shot. There's, there's, there's some hidden benefits here. So, and of course I say all that and then, you know, maybe Booker won't be named the replacement or maybe there'll be another replacement. You know, there's still plenty of games. It's not unusual to see someone get hurt. It doesn't take much at this point. You know, any injury that knocks you out for, you know, 10 days, two weeks, any, you know, somebody takes a three and lands on somebody's foot. You know, you roll the ankle, hamstring injuries. There's nothing that says we won't see a replacement in the East and Trey Young get in and we won't see another replacement in the West and a 14th guy get in could easily happen i think old benefited for that one year with the jazz i think he was a late injury replacement when he made his all-star appearance so you never know until you get to the end of the games uh the games before the all-star break you never know what's going to happen to somebody in a game right uh we just saw it in last game gordon Hayward going down hurting his hand I mean, he's not in the all-star game but uh you know you're already battling something and that happens and it's worse so we'll see how it plays out so there's a couple of a uh, couple of big stories. There was some baseball also, more reaction from around the league, and some of this stuns me, you know it's um Seattle had their their CEO and their president go off, and he was talking about guys who don't speak good English, and you know the tone was just demeaning and and he talked about uh, Seager's done, and he talked about service time and uh and it's kind of like everyone knows it happens, but you can't say it out loud, and he said it out loud. You know, manipulating guys' service time. Keep them in the minor leagues at the start of the year so that it pushes back arbitration a year and free agency a year. The players don't like it. They know they're making tons of money for the owners and they're losing a year in their prime and they're not getting not getting paid the mega money they could be getting paid. So, of course, they hate it and they say it out loud. Now, not every team does it. Uh, the Padres brought up Fernando Tatis Jr. at the start of the year and there was even like, wow, they're not holding him down to control his arbitration and uh, but the team didn't say it. You know, the front office, the GM, the president, the owner, the manager, they can't say it. I mean, Mike Trout came to Utah for two weeks or 17 days, where I'm sure Klauki knows exactly how many games he played. But it wasn't many, and it was to control service time for another year. So everybody knows it. Um, but for an executive to say it out loud just sets off the players. And, you know, in all of all the sports, baseball's got the worst labor relations. I think they've gotten better, I mean, just because, you know, we've had seasons and we've had World Series, you have to say they've gotten better. Uh, The NBA's been contentious at times, at other times pretty good. You know, the NFL's gone a long time without labor disruption. Those players, they don't have guaranteed contracts. They're probably only—there's a lot of the league that's only in the league for two, three, four years. They don't want to give any time up to a strike or a lockout to make money for some guy who's in college or in high school. No thanks. They're going to play. So— but baseball, man, they go at it. But those guys also know they have 10-, 12-, 15-year careers, right? There are a lot of guys playing in their mid-30s. Some guys get to play to 40. So it's worth it to them to fight because they're going to be the guys who are going to benefit. And they lose in the short run, but they'll be in the league in the long run to, to cash in. And football players probably won't be. I mean, Tom Brady's the outlier. But most football players won't be in the league to cash in. So that kind of roiled the waters there in baseball saying what, uh, what isn't supposed to be spoken, even if it's the truth. All right, DJ and PK, coming up. we got a lot of basketball for you. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Time to welcome back Andy Bailey, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's been on the show several times, and he joins us again right now. Andy, good morning.
2: Morning. How are you guys?
0: Doing well, doing well. want to go big picture with you on the Jazz. Obviously, there has been a lot of winning going on. But the Clippers are full strength, the Jazz are full strength, and the Clippers win. Now, you can win before that, and you can win after that. Do you write that off as just, hey, one game and you can't win them all, and they have nearly won them all for a couple months now? Or do you look at it and think they are way better than 25 teams in this league and they're hammering them, but at the top of the league, there's some problems for the Jazz. What do you think?
2: Well, um, maybe i come down somewhere in the middle on that. I I think that you could pick just about any team in the league and say they're going to have problems with the top tier. I think you could probably say that about the Clippers. Uh, the Lakers, the the Nets, um, the fact that I you know I think Utah is in that tier now. I, I think they can give the Clippers a run for their money in a seven game series. I think they can give the Lakers a run for their money in a seven game series. Uh, they don't they don't have the top end you know super duper star talent like the Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George and the Lakers have AD and LeBron. Um, but Utah, I think, may be the deepest team um, of that you know top tier or at least the team that works the best together maybe not the deepest in terms of talent but all the pieces just fit so well with Utah everybody knows their role so well Um, they've been drawing a lot of comparisons to teams like the 04 Pistons and the 2014 Spurs Um, this morning I kind of thought maybe they're a little bit like that Orlando Magic team that made it to the finals with Dwight Howard surrounded by a bunch of shooters Um, I just I think they're built so well and and i would probably pick the lakers or the clippers uh, in a seven game series but i certainly wouldn't be shocked if the jazz beat them they lost that game to the clippers like you said when both teams were full strength um but i you know it was on the road not that that's as big of a deal this season with no fans but it's it's still something they shot the ball a little bit worse than they typically do i i think they could have come away with that from that game with a win
3: how do you think three-point shooting plays out in the postseason? I think it's going to be
2: about as prevalent as it is in the regular season. I know everybody says the game slows down, and you got to be able to do different things, and I think that's probably true, but I think the game has trended so much towards three-pointers in just the last two or three years um, that it's, it's going to be a huge part of every game in the postseason, too. The three-point attempt rate just continues to skyrocket. And I really don't think there's going to be as big of an adjustment in the postseason uh, as there has been in years past. It is just so much a part of today's uh, NBA basketball that I I don't think there's going to be a, a major adjustment in the
0: postseason feel like when the Jazz play, if a team isn't really physically gifted, they can break them down. If the team isn't really mentally disciplined, they can break them down. But can a physically gifted team that's got a lot of – and the Clippers are a good example of this – a lot of guys who can defend the perimeter. They're athletic, they're long, they've got some size, all that stuff, and they really stick to the game plan and execute it. Can they take away Gobert's dunks, and can they take away the three-point shot and force the Jazz to shoot – You know. Conley and Mitchell to shoot a bunch of floaters and 10 and 12 foot pull ups because it seems like that's kind of the, the best case scenario for defending the Jazz but can someone really do that consistently
2: yeah I think you mentioned a team that can do that uh, in the Clippers I, I think the Lakers at full strength certainly have some, some gifted uh, defenders that will make things difficult for them I, I think the question is can they do it four out of seven games Um the way the Jazz are built with so many good shooters and so many good volume shooters, um, and then, you know, it may happen. We saw this with the Rockets a few years ago when they went one for 27 or whatever it was um, in the postseason. You, you can have games like that when you're you know heavily reliant on a three. But it's hard for me to imagine with how well the Jazz have shot for the first 30 games of the season or however many it's been, it, for them to just go ice cold for four out of seven games. Um Now, can can a team like the Clippers or Lakers hold them to, you know, just a little bit below the level that they've been at? Um, you know, I think that's certainly possible. And then the other problem, of course, is going to be defending those guys. Um I, I think that's where the Jazz might actually, and, and, you know, they've got a great defense this season. I think last I checked they were tied for first. I actually haven't checked it this morning. Um But in the postseason, when you've got a smaller backcourt like, Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson, when he's in there, can, can you defend some of these teams with superstars on the perimeter? I think that's going to be difficult. Um, so, again, I, w- I would likely pick the Clippers or the Lakers if it, if it came down to it and these teams meet in the postseason. But I think the, the Jazz absolutely have a, a puncher's chance. Um, <laughs> just popped into my head, but I watched that UFC fight on Saturday night with um, – lewis derrick lewis and and he has that huge uppercut that can end a fight at any minute and i think the jazz kind of have that with their three-point shooting i mean if they get hot for five or six minutes they run away from teams they've done it a bunch of times they can kind of play even with teams for two and a half three quarters and then they go on a stretch where they just wipe the nets up for four or five minutes and all of a sudden the game's over and i i think they have knockout power uh this season that they haven't had before
3: yeah, I think I would agree with that. The big thing is that the answer or the question that needs to be answered is: Can they do it in the postseason when there's more pressure, more defensive intensity, blah blah blah? And and I think that's a valid question because this is somewhat of a new group. You know, I realize they're they're in their second year, but really, as far as operating uh, to capacity, this is this their first year because Conley had that time to adjust and they brought favors back and all that stuff but it's not like okay that might be a legitimate question but it's not like the other teams and we look at the lakers and clippers at the top of the list it's not like they don't have questions either and i'll go and i'll go with you for the clippers because to me you know they've made a fair amount of changes too plus how much do you buy in the repeated failures of paul george it's not like he's been mr clutch in the postseason himself
2: Yeah, I mean, if we're going to bring up, and and I agree with you, I think it is valid for for people to wonder what Utah will do in the playoffs. Um, You know, we've seen them have big hot streaks in the the regular season before they had one last season. Um, So it's it's valid, but you're absolutely right that there are questions about all these teams. I I think there's as much parity in the NBA right now as we've had in quite a while. Um, There are four, five, six teams you could probably make a decent argument for picking to win it all. Um, And like you said, the Clippers – Paul George has had some problems despite dubbing himself playoff P. I mean, Jazz fans I'm sure remember pretty clearly when Joe Ingles shut him down for a series. Um, so there are, there are definitely questions there. I think Kawhi Leonard's durability, even though he's been you know, healthy this season, um, you never know when he has you know some health issue pop up. I think there are questions for all these teams that there's health with Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and I'm, I'm not so sure about their supporting cast after the top two um, the, the Nets are, are impressing me more and more every time I watch them play but there's still questions about the defense um, Milwaukee's defense I think got a lot worse this season Ben Simmons shooting is going to be a problem for Philly so we can I think we can nitpick any of the teams that are in that top tier um, but its I, I think it's impressive that the Jazz have, have held this thing together have built up a bunch of continuity and chemistry and I, I think they are legitimately part of that top tier now
0: So when you talk about the top tier, it's easy to put the Nets and the Jazz and the Lakers and the Clippers in that group in whatever order you want to put them. But the Suns and the standings have crept within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. And partly it's the Lakers and the Clippers having their issues and their health and all that. But, man, the Suns have been really good winning eight out of nine. The only losses to the Nets. Do you think they belong on, regardless of record, do you think they belong in the same tier with those other four teams?
2: So I would probably put them maybe just just a half notch below that tier right now. But they, they certainly need to be paid attention to. And this is the second season in a row that Chris Paul has come to a team and, and really stabilized things. Um, you know, Phoenix already had plenty of momentum. I, I think Devin Booker's reputation changed a lot last season, and then they had the undefeated bubble. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton, I think, is a little bit underrated and, and underappreciated because he came from that same draft class as Luca and Trey Young, um, they've got good three and D guys with Michael Bridges and Cameron Johnson. When they when they plug Chris Paul into what was already moving in the right direction, um, you know they I, I think they're you know close to that tier. I'm a little hesitant still just because of the inexperience of some of those other guys, um, but they look fantastic. Like you said, they've just been on fire lately, and something that they've been doing that I just mentioned about the Jazz earlier too is just running away. They just and I think that's a mark of a good team. You know, Utah for years and years was a solid team that seemed to be in struggles every single game. This year they're blowing teams out. Um, and I, I think when you reach that level, um, you're starting to be onto something.
3: You think the Lakers have to make a move? Um, I, I don't think they have
2: to. I, if they're fully healthy, I, I still think that's probably the toughest duo in the league um, now, if we want to compare trios, and we've, we've got the Nets in that mix, and maybe that's a different thing, or pick any two of those Nets, and maybe you can go head-to-head with the Lakers, but um, LeBron and AD just fit together so well um, there's still a level that LeBron goes to in the postseason that, that I just I'm not sure anybody else can get to, which is just pretty ridiculous when you think about how long he's been doing that um and I I think there's just an element of coasting going on with the Lakers um I still really like their offseason I think all the guys they added fit pretty well and Mark Gasol has looked um slower and older than he did last season for sure but but maybe he's saving something in the tank for the playoffs too um I I think they're going to be obviously pretty tough if i had to pick a team right now assuming everybody's healthy to make it to the finals from the west i would probably go with the lakers um you know I, I i think their recent struggles have more to do with ad being out and them just kind of toasting in the regular season to be honest
0: andy bailey joined us he covers the nba for bleacher report so LeBron says he doesn't need any more rest. There are plenty of people around the league talking about him needing more rest, and he's basically just blowing them off. So does he know best, or is he not aware of advancing age, and he's got a blind spot? Uh, Because we have seen teams where we know they're really good, but they've just looked exhausted in the postseason. And multiple postseason runs and playing a lot of minutes, it seems like that's what will eventually get LeBron assuming he isn't going to, you know, be the first person to beat Father Time?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's probably got the best record against Father Time so far. And, and we haven't seen him slow down in the playoffs to this point in his career. And I keep thinking there's got to be a point at some time when he'll slow down. Um, but I, I guess the answer to the question is I would just default to he knows. I mean, he's People have talked for years and years about how much uh, time and effort he put into maintenance of his body and recovery and things like that. Um, and a couple of years ago he did. And, and I think at one time with the Cavs, too, he did take a little bit of a break. Um, so I, <laughs> I think if it gets to a point where he feels like he needs some recovery time, I would guess he'll probably take it. Now, I, I still think the concern is fair and valid, especially – you know, we've, we've heard some rumblings about the second half of the schedule that's about to be released, um, and, and stuff like five games and seven nights is, is going to be on this schedule, and, and maybe um, with the NBA trying to do everything it can to pack those 72 games in, maybe then it becomes taxing for a guy like LeBron and an older team like the Lakers, and, and you lead into the postseason with a uh, uh rigorous schedule like that maybe they're at a little bit of a disadvantage um and i would say they get a little bit of a, of a reprieve in the first round but i who knows i mean if they if they go into the playoffs as the three or four seed um and have to play <laughs> some other team from the west that's well above 500 um fatigue could very much be a factor for them
3: so you say that you like the lakers if you had to pick right now or you are going with brooklyn if you had to pick right now in the other bracket? I think so.
2: Um that it's just so much offensive firepower at the top. And I think what's different about Brooklyn, um, and I think we could say the same thing about the Warriors a few years ago. We've seen a lot of super teams come together over the years and it takes a year or two to to work things out. I mean that was certainly true of the Heat with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and um they, they never worked things out with the Lakers when they had Kobe and Nash and Dwight Howard, but I, I think the fact that when James Harden went to the Nets, he was so willing to defer from, from basically the moment he got there sort of alleviated all those problems. Um, and I, I feel like I saw a similar thing with Scott Curry when Kevin Durant went there. Um, James Harden is a guy who was an MVP a few years ago. He's, he's been told he can literally do whatever he wants in Houston, and he did for four or five years. And for him to go from that to a guy who's really willing to to be a ball mover first with Brooklyn, I think helps them a lot. Um, I'm not ready to count the Sixers out yet. I I think the leader in the clubhouse right now for um, MVP is Joel Embiid. And I think the fact that they've surrounded him with some great shooters and, and Danny Green and Seth Curry makes them pretty dangerous. But like I mentioned earlier, I mean teams have figured out a way to play Ben Simmons in the postseason. So they've got questions. Um, that are maybe a bit more pressing than Brooklyn. So I'd I'd probably go with the Nets right now.
0: Andy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again later this season. Thanks for having me, fellas. There's Andy Bailey. here. You can read him on NBA Bleacher Report. We have him on the show periodically here. Good to hear from him, his take on the NBA. The Jazz and the Lakers. The Beast in the West. Here come the Lakers for a game tonight. Coming up next... Jovan Buha writes for the Athletic, covers the Lakers, his take on the Jazz and Lakers, and what he expects out of this game, and it might surprise you. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.
1: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Right at the end of the show, 9.30 yesterday, we had on the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic, Jovan Bua, and his take on the Lakers. Why Frank Vogel has been so successful when he's supposed to get run right from the get-go. Are the Lakers going to make a move here to strengthen the team? And when do they get an AD back? How is this going to play out without him? And when do they get him back? Here's Jovan Bua. With DJ and PK on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Gilvon, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We have many questions about the Lakers, but I think the most important one, and I'm not sure you can answer it, but what do you know about Anthony Davis? Evaluating him in here in a few weeks, is he likely to come back? Are they likely to say they're going to evaluate him again in a few weeks? Because it's certainly a different team with and without AD.
2: Uh, well, uh, a few days ago, Frank Vogel gave him a four-week timetable, which would bring him back. Uh, you know, I guess a week or so after the All-Star break. Um, you know, and I think with this injury, you can never be too cautious. Um, you know, and I think it, we, you look a couple years ago with, with the Kevin Durant situation and what ended up happening with him, and um, you know the, the the notion that they might have brought him back a little too soon and. Uh, you know, for the Lakers, I, I think they're in the, the stage right now. Um, you know, especially as defending champs, that uh, you know, they just want to get to the playoffs healthy and, and you know uh, with, with home court advantage. And if they can be the, the three or four seed, uh, they like their chances against you know basically anybody. But uh, if you lose Anthony Davis for an extended period of time because you rushed him back, which they might have done, uh, you know, I, I guess technically to begin with, uh, after he only missed a couple games and then uh, was re-injured. Um, in that next game, uh, you know, I, I think that they're just going to be extra cautious with the situation. But at the same time, you know, they're currently going through a skid right now. And, um, you know, they, they don't want to fall too far down the standings. So uh, it's an interesting balance. But I think ultimately they're going to be cautious with him. And um, I do expect him back, you know, within a week or so of the all-star break, uh, barring any setbacks.
3: So we've heard about LeBron talking about this rest, and I admire him willing to go out there and play every game. And there's no doubt about it. Anytime I'm going to watch the Lakers, I want to see LeBron. I'm a fan of basketball, and he's the guy. And I certainly think that whatever he says should be – Consulted and seriously considered. But in my mind, it's a management decision. And if the management team decides that LeBron needs to sit or what have you, then I think they should do it. It should be you will, you include him in the discussion, but I don't think he should have the final say in that way. You know, it's not an injury situation, it's a rest situation. What do you think about the opportunity to have him rested? And should management take control of that and sort of take it out of LeBron's hands knowing that he has a say?
2: Yeah, I mean, that that is a a tough one. Uh, I I do think in in general, um, you know, as a a general practice, um, you know, teams have um, their their medical staffs tracking these guys, you know, everything, you know, blood pressure, heart rate. Um, you know workload like you know I, I know some teams have it where it's literally like a stoplight where you know they have a, a different color for, for each guy of okay this guy's a green this guy's a yellow you can't let this guy get into red because that's when it's, it's the danger zone so um, I'm, I'm sure on the Lakers end they're tracking and monitoring all of this um, you know obviously, LeBron is kind of a in, in in an unprecedented situation where we've just never seen someone at uh, you know 36 you know basically look like they're 24 right like I guess the the closest would probably be um, you know Karl Malone or, or Kareem but I think LeBron's you know obviously more athletic than, than either of those guys so it's just we've never seen a guy be able to kind of handle this production and workload at this age but um, you know I, I'm with you guys in that I think. He probably should just, you know, take a game off at some point. Um, but I think if anyone has earned that kind of right to dictate their their, you know, kind of body and, and whether they're playing or not, it is LeBron. I mean, he is the most powerful player in the league. So I, I think you know, I think from the Lakers, with some of the stuff that, that's been said publicly, it does sound like they would probably want him to take a night off. But it, he clearly is just rejecting that. And if that's the case, I think. You don't want to upset LeBron and force him to take a game off and potentially, you know, have him upset and you know whatever consequences uh, come from that. So, I I'm with you and in, 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 you know in, in practice that I think in, you know you should. I'm a more pro rest and especially with the workload he's had lately with AD out. I mean, if you look at some of the, the minutes, it's been you know he had a stretch where he had three straight games with 40 plus minutes. Um, you know, went, went 40 plus minutes last night. And they're losing these games, you know, and and that's where I I think the issue is. is If he, you know, if they're winning because he's playing a lot of minutes, that's one thing. But they continue to lose, um, you know, recently, and that's just kind of a double whammy of you're falling down the standings and you're wasting LeBron's minutes. So um, I wonder if, you know, maybe he rests a game coming up here. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I just I think that he's the you know kind of the one player that really has that power to kind of dictate that, and I don't think the Lakers are going to mess with
0: that. Kyle Kuzma played his college basketball at the University of Utah. A lot of people still following him. And, you know, where after you got the big two, who are a couple other players who can really perform at a high level for you? There's the expectation he's that guy. Is he fulfilling that more? Is he all the way there? Is there still stuff they expect from him? How, does he, how is he fitting in right now?
2: Yeah, well, I would say after the, the two stars, the third guy this season has been Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, he he has uh, you know stepped into that starting point guard role and, and played fairly well, and it's been a big loss for him. You know, and I think he's someone that they're really going to miss in Wednesday's matchup against the Jazz. As for Kuzma, I think he's really taken a step over the past, you know, 12, 14 months uh, embracing a role-player role where, uh, you know, his first couple of years in L.A., he was one of their leading scorers. He kind of had... A breakout as someone people were looking at as, hey, you know, is this guy a a potential all-star or or is he, you know, a potential 20-point-a-night, you know, career scorer? And, you know, obviously that's no longer the case. And um, he's taken a big step back with LeBron and AD um, now in the Lakers. But I think it, it's been the other areas of his game that have really grown, where he's become a plus defender, and that was not the case a couple of years ago. You know, he was a bad defender a couple of years ago, and he's he's used. I mean, he's got a good frame. He's six foot nine, long arms. You know, fairly athletic. He can defend multiple positions. Um, and if you look at his steal and block numbers, those have all increased. Uh, and then his rebounding. All of a sudden, um, you know, he, he was a decent rebounder, but he's become a pretty good rebounder. He's had a uh, you know several double doubles this year. Uh, if you look at the, the offensive rebounding, he's had some really big offensive rebounding games with you know four, five, six offensive rebounds, and um, th- those stretches have saved the Lakers at times when they've been struggling offensively recently. So Kuz, I think you know g- getting the contract uh, that-, that he got heading into the season, and-, and just kind of accepting his role you know off the bench and-, and as a guy who is not just a scorer but can do other things with rebounding and passing and defense, um, I think he, he's, he's really flourished lately. So, uh, you know, he, he's not the third guy on the team necessarily. He, he's not the third-leading scorer, but he's someone that is kind of like a Swiss Army knife for them, where they can plug and play him. He's played two through four, uh, again, defended multiple positions, and I think he's had a really nice season quietly.
3: From the Laker perspective, which team concerns you more, the Clippers or the Jazz?
2: Ooh, uh, putting me on the spot here. Uh, well, right. I mean, right now it's, it's the jazz with, with how they're playing. I, I do think for, for my, my, I, I guess mentality tends to, uh, lean towards star power. And I, I just think that if you're looking at the Clippers versus the jazz, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the matchup, in my opinion. And, uh, that would give me a slight, uh, I, I guess, edge to the Clippers, but, I think with with what Utah is doing right now, I mean, you can't discount it. And I think, you know, some people have defaulted to the, well, it's you know, every year there's a regular season team that, that, you know, kind of breaks out. And, you know, it's not legit. But I think with the the sample size that we're seeing now, um, I believe they're, what, 26 and 5? And, and, you know, 21 uh, wins, of double digits. Like, you can't discount that. And, um, you know, I've personally been a big Utah guy the last couple years. Like, I, I felt that, they were the third best team in the West each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, I picked them to win Denver uh, to beat Denver in, in the first round. So um, I'm, you know, I think I, I've been more of a, a pro Utah guy than, than most uh, in the media, and um, you know, I, so I, I I buy this. Like I think they're really really good. I think this shows what happens when when you keep a, a core together and just kind of add some some pieces around the fringes. And um, you know, obviously Mike is, is having an all star caliber year. You got Donovan and, and uh, Rudy doing what, what they do, and um, you know I think Quinn's a really, really good coach. So uh, I mean, this team is very dangerous. And I, I, think, I mean, if we're being candid here, like I think they're probably going to blow the Lakers out uh, on Wednesday just with the way the Lakers are shorthanded and, and with the way they're playing right now. Um, I think that one could get out of hand.
0: Phoenix Suns have inched within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. At what point should we say it's not a big three in the West, it's a big four? What would have to happen for you to say that?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the, thing with, the only thing with Phoenix for me is the the lack of experience, right? Like, uh, again, looking at you know the, the other teams um, at the top of the West, you know, Lakers defending champs, Clippers of multiple guys who either won championships or, or gone deep in the playoffs, um, you know, same with the Jazz. Uh, the the Suns, aside from Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder, are a pretty inexperienced group. And I think we've seen it in recent seasons that, you know, young teams tend to struggle in the postseason. Um, now, Chris Paul, I think, is one of the best point guards ever uh, and, and obviously one of the best leaders ever and is the type of guy that can maybe get them to overcome that, right? And I think you look at last year's playoffs with OKC and. Uh, you know, I, I think that team had no business going to seven games with the Rockets, uh, but but the fact that they did and, and almost won that series, uh, I think that's a testament to Chris Paul. And then just if you look at it, every every team he's gone to, you know, their win percentage has gone up, and usually by a decent you know amount, like you know ten plus wins. So uh, I think you know if anyone could do it, Chris Paul is one of those guys. But um, you know, for, for me I, again, I think it's experience. I, I think it's the defense. Um, you know, I think offensively they have a bunch of firepower, a bunch of shooting. You know, Devin Booker I think will be just fine in the, in the postseason. But uh, to me, it's the defense and the experience will be my only knocks on them. But I like them. You know, I, I do think they're right there. Uh, I'd probably put Denver at, at full strength uh, ahead of them. as uh, probably the fourth best team. But I think Phoenix is right there at, at probably, you know, four or five.
3: What percentage do you put on the Lakers making a move here before the trade deadline? Ooh, um
2: if you're asking a, are you asking a trade or a buyout?
3: Oh well, it could be either. I was up, you know. Yeah. I, I would yeah. probably uh, think buyout would be a little bit stronger of of an opportunity.
2: Yeah, no, I, um, I would put that at, I don't know, ninety to ninety five percent. You know, I, I think the, the the waving of Quinn Cook last night um, was a a move in that direction. Uh, now, uh, you know, it seems like. They're not in a rush to add anybody. They're not necessarily going to add anyone soon just because of if you look at who's out there, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody that moves the needle that much. But, you know, we've heard the rumors of Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin potentially getting bought out. I think they'd have interest in either one of those guys. Um, I personally don't see the fit with the Marcus Cousins. You know, I I think they need uh, more of a, you know, athletic, defensive type. Uh, at the five, and that is not Demarcus Cousins. So, who knows? Maybe they end up signing him, but at first, I personally just don't see the fit. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think the, the waving of Quinn Cook last night. What was a clear sign that they're you know they only have 13 players on the roster now, and most teams carry at least 14. Um, so, I, I do expect them to add a guy through the buyout market. But this also gives them a little bit of wiggle room if they want to make a trade that they can take on a little extra salary. Uh, than they could have before, so they should have about like 1.7 million um, in uh, you know under the hard cap right now. So this gave them some financial flexibility. Quinn Cook wasn't playing; uh, they technically could resign him on a couple ten day contracts, but uh, I definitely expect them to make a move uh, between now and like the end of March.
0: Yo Van Bua joining us. He is a Laker beat writer for the Athletic, and I am curious your perspective being around the team. On how Frank Vogel has done it, because there was a just a ton of speculation about how long he would or wouldn't be there. And it seems like there's no drama there whatsoever. Everything has come together. How's he done that?
2: Uh, it, it's been It's been you know impressive uh, because um, you know, we we've seen, what's happened with with the Lakers over the last, you know, seven years or so where they've had a revolving door of coaches they they had the the nonstop drama on and off the court with players, with the coaches, with management. And, you know, it it become a little bit of a circus, right? And and, um, I think that what they've been able to do over the last couple of years with, um, you know, Rob Plinka stepping up as the clear leader uh, in the organization with, with, the hiring of Frank Vogel, which remember he wasn't even their second option; he was their third option. You know they they wanted Ty Lue and, and Monty Williams and ended up settling on Vogel. Uh, but if you look at what he did last season, um, you know I think the, the key for him is he is a bit of a player's coach where he, he does default to um, you know he, he he's a little soft spoken, he's he's relaxed. Um, like I, I think there are some similarities with, with, with he and Luke Walton in, in that regard. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of Laker players that like Luke Walton because of that dynamic. Uh, but, but Frank is, is also a guy who preaches defense. And if you look at, you know, in, in Indiana and Orlando stops, like, he's always been more of a defensive coach. And having LeBron in AD in, in you know, at the time, Jean Rondo, like, you're going to figure out the offensive end. But the, the defense, I, I think, for this team to get them to buy in, to, to be a top three defense last year um, and, 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 you know, really kind of have that identity – I think that was really key for him, uh, and got you know LeBron and AD on board, and it really was LeBron's best defensive season since probably going back to Miami. So um, I think you know the buy-in he's been able to get from the stars, um, you know, from again I think being a bit of a player's coach, but also someone who uh, you know is a very smart, uh, you know, similar to like an Eric Spoelstra, you know, came up in the film room, knows his X's and O's and, and film very well. Um, you know, like multiple player, uh, Laker players this season have said that Frank Vogel has the best film sessions that they've ever had with a coach. And that just the, his level of detail, that they almost feel like it's it's more productive than their practices, uh, his film sessions. So um, I think all of that combined has, uh, you know, led to him being safe, right? And, you know, I don't think there's any concern about his job security at this point. But, um, you know, winning a, winning a championship helps. Having LeBron in AD helps. Um, But I I think he deserves a lot of credit, and has done a really good job.
0: Well, Jovan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Lakers with us.
2: Yeah, thank you guys so much.
0: There's Jovan Bua from The Athletic, and the Jazz and Lakers tonight I found it interesting. He he thinks this could get out of hand. The Jazz could go on a run, and the Lakers have the firepower to stay with with them. If you saw the Wizards, the end of the Wizards game after the Jazz game with the Hornets ended Monday, if you flipped over to MDA TV, the Wizards won in overtime, and obviously the Jazz are much better than the Wizards. But boy, the Lakers could not defend dribble penetration. It, Westbrook and Beal, and I get it's their strength versus the Lakers' weakness, and these guys are really good at it, but they got into the paint anytime they wanted. and In overtime, they were in their every possession, scoring on every possession at the end. The last time the Lakers got a stop was because Westbrook shot a 15-foot jumper. <laughs> they like, guys, stop shooting jumpers and attack the rim and win the game. And they did. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mitchell and with Conley and with Joe Ingles and how easily they get into the paint and give the Lakers fits. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.
4: It's definitely an honor. You know, I think the biggest thing it just equates to our team success, you know, if we, him and I make it, you know, I don't think that we kind of come into the season looking at, you know, I think, you know, for him and I especially, you know, just kind of go out there and doing anything, whatever it takes to win. For him, it's, you know, you look at how he played tonight, you know, not necessarily, you know, having a big game offensively, but, you know, he did a lot defensively. That's what he does. That's a staple. And then for me, just continue to make plays. And that's what we've been trying to do all year. And, you know, if it happens, you know, we're thankful and honored, but the end goal is still the end goal for us and the team and, you know, the biggest thing is, man, I'm praying Mike gets him, man. I think for a guy like him who's done so many things for his career on and off the floor, he, he deserves this.
0: That's Donovan Mitchell talking about making the All-Star game, Rudy making the All-Star game. But uh, obviously he that was uh, after the game, their last game against uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, thank you. All I could think was Clippers and they knew that was wrong. After oh, Charlotte yeah. and Mike Conley did not make the... All-Star team is reserved. PK, if you want to make the All-Star team, score a bunch of points. Because the guys on the All-Star team mostly score 24 points or more. They're mostly in the top 20 scorers in the league. Rudy Gobert is an outlier. Ben Simmons and Chris Paul. But other than that, and, and we're going to have a replacement named here, but one of the two guys who scores a lot of points who didn't get into the game is Devin Booker. So I'd expect he gets named as the uh, as the replacement AD. We'll see. Could be Conley. But I'd expect Booker.
3: Well, I guess God had other plans then because Donovan Mitchell says he's praying for him. Yep. God did not answer that prayer. So apparently it's God's will.
0: He'll have more time to rest up for the second half of the season, which apparently is going to have a fairly congested schedule. So maybe some days off would be good. Hopefully we'll see that schedule soon. Jazz and Lakers tonight, 8 o'clock, Vivint Arena pregame with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe on. Jazz game night. The pregame show starts at 7 o'clock on The Zone. Got a lot of expectations for this one, or Lakers too shorthanded to get worked out? Well,
3: I don't care about whether they are or they aren't with them. doesn't matter to me what the Lakers do. It's all about the Jazz. The Jazz want to win, so that's the most important thing. If they get another win, that obviously it gives them uh, more of a hold on first place. So whoever shows up for the Lakers, that's who's going to play. At this point, when you have the best record in the league, it doesn't matter who the other guy is.
0: Jazz are three and a half games up on the Lakers heading into this one. Lakers are a third in the West right now.
3: Yeah, and this is what I said earlier when we heard that Anthony Davis was going to be gone. Try to open up as big a lead as possible while he's out.
0: DJ and PK.
3: Hashtag
1: NBA. Ten seconds to go. Into the four court sexton. Left side to Stevens down the lane. Powell with two hands. Stevens hit it! Beasley, ball batted away, it's on the floor, Bucks have a turnover, Dante, the disruptor made the play, Connaughton to Nianis for the slam! Jokic left side of the midcourt circle,
5: more than happy to kill time, with 35 seconds left to go in the ball game. Now he
1: beats Cantor, gets down the lane, you're a step and a dunk with two hands! Dacic with six and five and four and three to his left, pulls up from the hash mark, it's good! It's good! with a tenth of a second remaining as Doncic nails the game-winner
0: and the Mavericks will win it 110-107. to Couple of big hoops late for Luka Doncic including the game-winner right there. He finishes with 31 points as the Mavericks beat the Celtics 110-107. That's why he's an all-star starter right there, PK. They're a 500 team and Boston's now a game under but he's an all-star.
3: Yeah, he's a really good player. I mean, that was a great move, great ball control and all that stuff, and then have a little step back go in. He's a sensational player, that's for sure.
0: Other highlights we heard in there, the Nuggets beat the Blazers 111-106. Nikola Jokic, a 41-point night to lead the Nuggets to victory in that one. Denver now three games over five hundred, but still seventh in the West. But they beat Portland, who's sixth, right a game right in front of them. Clippers take down the Wizards, and that was uh, man, that was kind of the All Star box score right there. PK, there were five starters, and two of them go for thirty points or more, and the other three guys, none of them are in double figures. Get the ball to the two stars and let them handle it, and they did. yeah,
3: but their bench would they have their four guys in double cut. figures?
0: Yeah, all shooting high percentages too. Not yeah. really a volume deal, but uh, Zubak was six for six, but he's gotten better. Uh, Jackson was 6 for 12. Mann was 5 of 7. Morris was a little on the volume side. He had 11 points on 12 shots. Uh, but, yeah, they did get a lot of points out of the bench. Fifty-two out of the, 58 out of the bench and 52 out of those four guys. So, But 32 leading the way for uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George had 30. And those two guys uh, really filling it up. Also in there, you heard Giannis. He had 37 points as the Bucks blow out the Timberwolves, 139-112. to Steph Curry had a 37-point game. Warriors beat the Knicks, 114-106. NBA waiver wire picking up some steam. The Rockets waving DeMarcus Cousins. The Nets wave Iman Shumpert, Tyler Cook, Andre Robertson ahead of today's deadline to guarantee deals for the season. Nets are expected to attempt to re-sign all three players on 10-day deals if any of the players get picked up on waivers, their deal becomes guaranteed. So, see if any of these guys will bounce around. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag college basketball.
0: Well, PK, you want to know exactly how many fans would be allowed into the Marriott Center, and Yak said the number would be 5,000 at most, and it turns out the number is 1,750 fans. Okay. That's according to head coach Mark Pope. He had immediate availability and, and talked about that. West Coast and Mountain West Conference Tournaments announced they will not have fans in attendance at their conference tournaments in Las Vegas next month. Haven't heard from the Pac-12 yet. See what they have to say. But no fans at the West Coast and Mountain West tournaments
3: Next month being next week. Yeah, right. February uh, yeah, 24th, yeah. baby. We're almost there. So that means uh, no Gonzaga fans because they're pretty much the only ones who went. The Gonzaga Invitational.
0: DJ and PK. They'll win without their fans. They'll be fine.
1: Hashtag NFL. Well, here's the thing on Drew Brees. Last year, he went into the Saints at the Pro Bowl, the coaching staff, and
6: they cried because that was his last game, the Pro Bowl. He was retiring, and then he took some time off. And lo and behold, he came back in March. And by the way, if he hadn't come back, I I really believe that there's a chance that Tom Brady would have been the Saints quarterback this year and he would have been playing in New Orleans. Not, But that's a different story.
0: An intriguing story, but a different one. Also a non-story. Because it didn't happen. Right. (laughs) But it could have. Washington, as long as we're talking quarterbacks, Washington football team quarterback, Alex Smith said he's come back through a wrench into the team's plans. He didn't feel wanted by the organization this past summer. He told GQ Magazine, they didn't see it, him coming back to play, didn't want me there, didn't want me to be a part of it, didn't want me to be on the team, the roster, didn't want to give me a chance. Mind you, it was a whole new regime. They came in, I'm like the leftovers, and I'm hurt, and I'm this liability. Heck no, they didn't want me there. At that point, as you can imagine, everything I've been through, I couldn't have cared less about all that. Whether you like it or not, I'm giving it a go at this point.
3: So that means he's going to try to go. Is he speaking present tense but past tense, whether you like it or not? He was talking
0: about the summer of 2020. The new coaching staff didn't want him there. Now, I think it's an open question whether they want him there or not. There's you know, a cap hit to be taken, but also cap space to be cleared. I mean, they have some dead money, but they also have more cap room if they let him go now. Do they want to bring him back? Do they, do they think he's a starter? Do they want to pay someone else to be the starter? If he's a backup in insurance, because he was third-string guy who ended up starting, what is it, I think, five games? Um,
3: yeah, isn't it obvious that he wouldn't have been in their plans?
0: Yes. Yeah. I
3: mean, he's taking. He's this is coming out as a slam him, or maybe it's not. I don't know I don't I didn't read the GQ, nor do I understand the context of it completely. but is he is he ripping the skins organization for not wanting him back? Where it was a
0: mixed bag. I, I read uh, I didn't read the GQ story. Um, these quotes got pulled and were ESPN stories and they were on some of the other major websites as well. and I read those so I don't know if there's more, but it basically came off as he understood it, but he hated it and was hurt by it. That was how I took it. Reading the quotes,
3: okay. That, yeah, I can buy that. Well, whoever doesn't want you and you want to still do it, you're going to be hurt by it, right? That, that's a natural reaction, isn't it?
0: And it did go into um, how he has issues with one foot, and it kind of drags. And I can see how the coaches would be like, "Can you really? Quarter- I mean, can you really quarterback like that, Joe?" Well, yeah, of course. The, the answer I mean, is he's been through a major yes. injury, right?
3: Yeah. And he was uh, 36 years old. I wouldn't, if I were the new management, I wouldn't have been planning on him to to lead us to wherever where we'd want to go. Now he had a very nice comeback story, that's for sure. But I don't know that I'd be going into the summer. Man, we got to get Alex Smith healthy because he's going to really make a difference for us.
0: Free agent to be wide receiver Des Bryant tweeted last night he plans to play two more years in the NFL, but it won't be with the Baltimore Ravens. He was with them for six games last season. I realized quick, Baltimore wasn't the place for me. No bad blood. That's their way of doing things, so you got to respect it. So 32-year-old Des Bryant out there looking for a team. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag Major League Baseball. Trying to get to the playoffs. Obviously, you guys know that. We all are, I think. If that's not the
7: mindset, uh, you shouldn't be here. So uh, every year, that's why I come in. You know, I put that in my mind. We got one goal: is get to the playoffs and win a World Series here. It's still the same goal here, obviously.
0: That is Mike Trout, the Angels' star. PK, it's the annual quest, and it's the quest that comes up short so often.
3: Oh well, yeah, you know it reminds me of your, every college football season when I say I want the Devils to go to the Rose Bowl the chances of them going to the Rose Bowl are pretty slim, but that's the goal <laughs> every year, right? It's the same goal year after year after year after year. And in the devil's case, it's only happened twice in, what, 45 years? So I get where he's coming from, yeah. Maybe this year. Probably not, although p- playoffs is, a you know, it's a expanding thing here. So uh, they shrunk it back compared to last year, but maybe a wild card. I mean, they made a bunch of acquisitions. Whether they pan out or not remains to be seen.
0: New York Yankees ace Gerrit Cole voiced his frustrations with the manipulation of service time and free agency after former Mariners president and CEO Kevin Mather made inflammatory comments earlier this month about how clubs in the sport think and operate. I'm just tired, said Cole, one of eight players on the MLB Players Association Executive Subcommittee. It's tired, man. I think the players are over it. And if they haven't been awakened to that type of behavior, well, that's what goes on. Really, right. the guy just said what we all know, right? I mean, when, when Fernando Tatis Jr. was called up by the Padres, there were stories about, wow, I can't believe they're going to let him get to arbitration a year early. Because everybody knows Yeah, I works.
3: don't know that he's talking about that. I think he's talking about how the the manager or president, whatever he was of Seattle, was ripping players Mm. rather than the manipulation of bringing up the third week in April. that's That's been going on forever, and I don't yep. know that that's ever going to stop. I think it was that he was devaluing their value, so when they go to arbitration and all that stuff, you're not that good, as not as good as you think you are. That's I think that's, I don't that know. That was this, more
0: what I think bugged that's, Yeah. Yeah. DJ and PK.
6: Trying to get to the playoffs, obviously.
7: The was packaged at the incident in stable condition with serious injuries. And because of the fact that they needed to be extricated, they were transported to Harbor UCLA Hospital because of the extrication. And Harbor Hospital is also a trauma center.
4: I mean, I'm sick
0: to my stomach. You know, it hurts to see one of your, I mean, now my closest friends, you know, get in an accident. And man, I just hope he's all right. Just, uh, just worry for his kids, you know. Golf. That was L.A. Fire Deputy Chief Daryl Osby on Tiger Woods injuries, and then you heard the reaction from Justin Thomas there. Tiger Woods, that car completely totaled. But I guess right where Tiger was, you know, built for safety and all of that, but uh, compound leg fracture, an ankle that's in really bad shape, and the leg crushed, whatever that means for all the arteries and everything. So... No idea when he'll be golfing again. It's going to be a while, PK. But uh, after seeing that car, you got to be happy that he's alive.
3: Oh, for sure. You know, I've been on that road, Hawthorne Boulevard, in Rancho Palos Verdes many times. And I know exactly where it was. I've been right there. And uh, it's a windy road. And so if, if you're coming from the top, and so you're going off the peninsula into the L.A. area, it's downhill very much. And there's a lot of ravines there. And I don't know if he was driving too fast, uh, was he distracted, or uh, I have no clue. I'm not going to be like the CNN idiot who said, well, plane killers probably paid a, a part in it. Did you hear about that? Jeez. Dude, just going on and speculating. But CNN, the one who paid for news on that guy from uh, Tooelea there who had the video. I don't know why anybody would be watching CNN, but that's just me. Uh, so I have no idea what the circumstances were, but I understand the severity of it, uh, given the having been on that road. But uh, you know, obviously, you just the good thing is that he was alert and responsive and all that. And they're so they're not life threatening. Thank goodness he had his seatbelt on too, yeah. which I think most people do now. I don't know very many people who drive without a seatbelt. Well, when I, when I growing up, my parents and all that, you know. Now I don't remember being told to put one on, but those things have changed. And, That probably saved his life. Yeah, the golf looks like it might be uh, on the back burner, which really in the grand scheme of things, I don't know how big of a blow that is for him. I'm sure he would love to compete. I would love to see him compete. But the most important thing is to be able to regain your health to one degree or another and go forward here as it's going to take a
0: long time. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up this morning, 830, Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah hoop staff member. And then in the 9 o'clock hour, Larry the Laker is going to check in with the Jazz Laker game tonight. Looking forward to that. Brian and Bob from Real Golf Radio. Uh, we've reached out to them, to Mike Weir. We'll see if we can uh, talk to somebody who knows a little bit more maybe about Tiger and uh, golf and what's going on there. Uh, we'll see if we hear from them later this morning as well. Yaks reached out to them. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. <laughs> Number
7: one. Make us your-
1: in the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot Takes for Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. and Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Okay. <laughs> Today's question. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert made their <laughs> second consecutive All-Star team. But no Mike Conley. Are we outraged? And largely, the answer is no. There's some outrage. Certainly, there's some disappointment. But we're a little short on the outrage. Yeah, but see, you got to draw emotion. Yeah.
3: I understand the whole point.
0: Jonathan knew it was. He says, yes, but I think Mike gets in as an injury replacement. There's still hope, PK. You're saying there's a chance.
3: I Yeah, there is still... There is still hope, and we know there's one, obviously, with Davis. Uh, uh, Who knows? Maybe Paul George. Uh, I I don't know. Kawhi Leonard. Those guys have been uh, in and out of the lineup, one more than the other, to an extent. Uh, I don't know about the rest deal, because it's not going to be a big, long, three-day process like it used to be. So just going to Atlanta to sit around or run through some uh, exhibition game in which full effort is not extended, I think that's overblown. So I, and let, you know, I, I just don't think that's that big of a deal uh, this this time around this year. Uh, but I agree with you in that I think the scoring does certainly matter. It's eye catching, you know. They that's what they show you. They rarely show you defensive stops. <laughs> Although I do think, though, with that in mind, uh, you think uh, who who votes on this? The co- coaches? Is that yeah. how how it's done? Yeah. That they they did give. I was surprised they gave it to Chris Paul over Devin Booker because Devin Booker is much more of a scorer. Yep. But when you look at the difference on this team, everybody's back. I think they added Frank Kaminsky, and no offense to Frank Kaminsky, but he doesn't really matter beyond Chris Paul. And now they're ten games over five hundred. That's pretty impressive from where they've been, and. There was going to be some, as the Jazz would say for many years, that organic internal improvement with the Suns. No matter who it was, they were. you would have to think Aiton was going to be better, Bridges was going to be better, Cam Johnson was going to be better because those are younger guys, right? So it stands to reason that they're going to be better. But the significant difference, because being 10 games over five hundred for where they've been is a great improvement for sure, And they are giving a lot of credit to Chris Paul. So that's one as far as not necessarily scoring a whole lot. There's a lot of stuff that Chris Paul adds to that team that have no statistical value outside of winning and listening to Phoenix Radio like I do when I go to the gym, they talk about it constantly with him teaching and talking to the younger guys. Apparently, and I'm just viewing this from a distance, that he has really taken on the mentorship role and jumped in. Now, he had a prior relationship with Monty Williams uh, from down there in New Orleans, so maybe that was something... Uh, that he just decided or he maybe it's just naturally who he is, I'm not sure, but he wants to be a teacher and give back to the younger guys so there's great value in that that doesn't show up in the sport in the points column so you've got to give the coaches credit for acknowledging that that's pretty cool really and it's really uh you know I don't think with the jazz didn't need Conley to come in to be a mentor uh, because they have a lot of veterans around them and Mitchell's really the only young kid who's getting a fair amount of playing time. I don't think there's anybody else under 25 unless I'm missing somebody, right? Off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. So they don't need Mike to do that, but he does play a vital role. And with all that in mind, I, I, I'm i probably on board 85 90% with you that on that replacement, uh, that I think they're going to go to Booker because I think it ends up being we decided we wanted two sons versus one son and three Jazz.
0: The scoring, if you look, if you just click on the list, 16 of the top 18 players are in. And there's three more guys who score a ton of points who've missed a bunch of games so they don't qualify. It's like the baseball deal. You know, you can't win the batting title if you don't have a certain number of plate appearances. Uh, Durant and Irving and uh, Paul George. But they're all over 24 points a game, too. So that, that takes you from 16 of 18 to basically, now you're 19 of 22 top scorers in the league. So Paul George isn't on the team? He is. He isn't qualified for the leading scores. If you look at the list, it's 16 of the top 18 are in. But there's these three guys who are in the All-star game who aren't on the list of the NBA's leading scores. And it's because they've missed a bunch of games. At some point, they'll be qualified. I don't know what the formula is, but you know they, they, they they're scoring plenty of points. And so it comes down to, the question is, well, why didn't Devin Booker make it? And I think it's for all the reasons you just listed about Chris Paul. And I know it's supposed to be about this year, but consciously or subconsciously, I think the fact Chris Paul basically did this in Oklahoma City last year, he's getting credit for that, too. You know, when you're on the Clippers and when you're on the Rockets, well, you're supposed to be winning. Your, your roster's loaded and you're, you're supposed to be a big deal. But there were low expectations for Oklahoma City and for Phoenix, and based on who else they had on the roster and all that, he gets a lot of credit for the fact that these two teams have done as well as they've done. I think people thought Phoenix Although was getting better. I think
3: better. there's more—yeah, okay, go ahead. Well, Thank
0: Phoenix you. had the thing in the bubble where it's like, hey, they're exactly. better. Yes. Now, and there's two things right, about the right, bubble. Number right, one, it's right. not real. There's no travel, there's no fans, the shooting background, blah, blah, blah. But we've also heard multiple times, and Quinn just brought it up, it was either after the Hornets or Clippers game, or before it, when he was doing his pregame thing, somebody asked me, he says, well, it goes back to the bubble, it feels like a third season with these guys. Because we had a season, we had a long layoff, and we analyzed, because they didn't have anything else they could do, they, they go over to film, they analyze a bunch of stuff, and they talk to guys, and they coach guys up, and to the degree they could do one-on-one work, they did that. And it felt different in the bubble. And if you step away from the Jazz and look at the Suns, well, they're probably doing the same thing, and there's a reason they got better. All the young guys you just spoke about, and they had basically an off season to get better too. So they were trending up, but nobody had them trending. Well, maybe somebody in Phoenix did, but outside of the state of Arizona, I don't think anybody had them fourth in the West. Maybe you had them six, maybe you had them eight, you had them whatever. But four, and and not just four, but like a game out of two. <laughs> this is this is excellent work by the Suns, and he gets the credit. And that's good, as I.
3: Lose my voice. And yeah, hit what happened p- there? Pitch higher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Trey Young got left out, and he's tenth in the league in scoring, and Booker's sixteenth. Young scoring tw- Trey Young scoring twenty seven points a game, and Booker twenty four seven. There's nobody else twenty four points a game or higher who's missing this All Star game. So, it's like you always say <laughs> whenever we're going through in uh, you know all the NBA games the night before. You're like, hey, he had a good game. He scored a lot of points. And you could say that's a shallow media slash fan way of looking at the game, but the coaches just picked the all stars, and they just picked a bunch of guys to score a lot of points. Right, most of them, not all, but right. Yeah. There's the, the outliers are Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert. Well, Simmons' team has the best record in the East, probably only temporarily, but they do have it. And he's a former number one pick and a high profile guy, and he obviously does other stuff having the ball in his hands. Gobert is anchoring this elite defense, and all the coaches know that the defense is. All off of him. And they also are getting a healthy oh, they respect for Yeah, and they win. They're number 1 in the West, and Simmons is number 1 in the East. And Chris Paul has got and this team. I don't team, have any problem with that. Yeah. Chris Paul has his team way up in the standings from where they've been and, and up in the standings from where they were expected to be.
3: Yes, I don't know that I would say Chris Paul has his team. Chris Paul is an integral part of the team right? doing that. But as I step back and I look at Conley – everything that I would think I can only I can't speak for him but everything that I would think that he wants out of this season is still in front of him or let's say nine out of ten if he had a list of ten whatever. yeah
0: because he really wanted I mean he laid it out there Friday night he didn't it would have been easy to hit us with the cliche and the shocks and whatever you know he wanted it you know and now he didn't get it so it's disappointing
3: but i just don't think it it defines his career i don't think that it is the crowning achievement uh, it just to me it doesn't really matter now that's me saying it he obviously can think differently right. for himself but to me what's the most important stuff is still ahead of him
4: And this team has a chance to
3: achieve the most important stuff. And if it is going to achieve the most important stuff, he's going to have to be right there playing well. And that's the great thing about it. You have the best record now, and we're approaching the halfway point of the season. And let's carry this out because the possibilities literally are all the way to the top. I really believe that. I don't know that they're going to do it, but I put in the possibility, the word possibilities. They are there. And if they are going to be achieved, he's going to be a significant part of that. So that is what's most important. And I don't think that his career is going to be defined by whether he was an all-star or not. Not even in the slightest Is it going to be? Particularly any time he goes back to Memphis, he's going to be warmly received. That's a fact. And he's not going to play near as long here as he did there. I think he had a 12-year career, so the age won't allow that. But he really has an opportunity to do something here that is as big time as you can get. And if that were to be accomplished... Well then he will always be warmly received here. And over time making a singular all-star game really doesn't matter. That's the great thing about it. The most important stuff that's ahead is right here, man. Can you be a part of that? Cuz they're not going to win it. I know they went 6 and 0 without him. And good for them. And Joe played very well and that we've documented that and that's great. But I don't think they're going to be able to get probably even to the conference final, let alone the NBA finals, unless Mike Conley is balling out to the level that he's been doing it. Wouldn't you agree with that?
0: If Conley were to play poorly or was hurt, then the odds of the Jazz going out in the second round versus the Clippers, the Lakers, or the Suns, yeah, you'd have to say there's probably a pretty decent chance. If he plays poorly or he's hurt then they could win. They could win without him. I mean, they did just go 6-0 without him when he was hurt. But playing one of the better teams at the highest level, they could be in jeopardy in the second round. I think that uh, (laughs) it's interesting you say, you know, halfway through the season, you've got to allow for the possibility of them going all the way. But if you look at the standings and the way teams are playing, you also have to allow for the possibility of them going out in the second round it's going to be really competitive. These teams look really good. Now, we can adjust those predictions. I can adjust what I just said if I see how the teams are playing and who's healthy when we get to the playoffs because health has wrecked multiple teams that, you know, thought they had a good chance. But as you sit here right now, why not dream of them going all the way? That's why people like me are thinking about the Nets PK. <laughs> All right. Yeah,
3: play, <laughs> play taps on that one. Uh, Give me taps! Come on, Yach! They have an opportunity, and Conley needs to be there. So, I don't really see this as a snub. It's easy for me to say.
0: This creeps me out. Okay, stop, Yach. Don't creep him out. <laughs> <laughs> have to allow people to change their minds, Yach. We all change our minds. I want it. I don't want it.
3: I wanted it yesterday.
0: <laughs> I don't want it today. I think your point is, you know, it's an individual honor, and it would be cool to run the table and have all the individual honors and all the team honors. But winning in the playoffs is way better than going to an all-star game. And it would be cool to run the table and have it all. But if you can't have it all, this is the one to pass on.
3: How many teams without a rep get three all-stars?
0: Oh, three All-Stars is really rare. I mean, everybody's going to bring up the Hawks five years ago because they had five, but it was in the East. That's the East. I I know. Don't talk to me ever
3: about the East. (laughs) I don't care about it. I will only care about it if it comes to pass. So the Hawks, forget
0: it. In the West... Uh, you can go back and find teams that had all. I mean, the the Warriors did it, but they had the rep. They had the 70 wins. They had the multiple championships. Right. So, right. And then other than that, who's done it? And when's the last time the Lakers had three All-Stars? I mean, there's a franchise with a rep that's had a lot of stars. My guess
3: off the top of my head uh, would be Magic, Abdul, and Worthy.
0: I was trying to think if they had anybody make it with, with Gasol. And uh, did they have anybody— no. With Gasol and Kobe, there would have been a two, and with Shaq. Uh Lamar Odom, maybe, would uh, Yeah, maybe Odom. Our test. But uh no, I
3: don't think so. As far I'd have to double check all that stuff, yeah. but no. It just
0: doesn't happen very often.
3: Right. So expecting it to happen here, I think was about eighty percent wishful thinking.
0: Well, we'll have to see what happens with um With the well, the one injury replacement we know about and now does anybody get hurt between now and then? You know, it's gonna be hard for Paul George off the last injury to sell it. I mean the guy just went for thirty last night, so he's looking pretty healthy. But if you get hurt close to the all star game, it doesn't even have to be that major and if you're out then you know And how
3: much does that get watered down then?
0: Man, it says on your resume either you're an all star or you it doesn't say. And Mike Conley doesn't
3: need it though. (laughs) That's the whole point. His resume it it it's not incomplete without it. That's the whole thing that I'm saying. That it doesn't matter. Mike Conley is going to be thought of as a solid NBA player who made a ton of money to the point he can has a full gym in his house, and, and he can do whatever he wants financially a thousand times over. He doesn't. His resume is not incomplete with not having that on there. So that even bothers me. His resume like it doesn't say he doesn't need it. He's going to be viewed as a solid NBA player, with or without it.
0: We got more uh, feedback coming in from people here. Um, Dylan says, no outrage. He deserves to get it at least once in his career, but I'm not sure he's had a better season than any other guys this year. I'm just being objective here. Since the Jazz... Have only once in their history had three All-Stars in the same season, Aaron writes. No, I'm not outraged. Today's All-Star selection stopped being about merit 20 years ago. It's all just about a name now. It was better back in those days, wasn't it? No, it wasn't, because I just, <laughs> while you were talking, I looked up, uh, did a quick search and found the Lakers. Are you ready for the last time? You're going to be outraged now. Are you ready for the last time the Lakers had three stars Ninety seven, ninety eight. Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel. Yeah, and so Eddie Jones,
3: Nick Van Exel. mm, They were all-stars. Who gives a flying (laughs) you-know-what? Right. Their resumes have it. So you're telling me Eddie Jones, who's a decent player, and Van Exel could get hot, but they're better than Conley? See? See? And so they don't need that on their resume. He doesn't need that on his resume. It just doesn't. It doesn't matter
0: on his resume. Ugh. Tyson, did you really think the Jazz had a shot at getting three? They're lucky to be able to get two. They're not lucky. That's luck has nothing to do with it. No, they're that good, and it's happened two years in a row. Likely liable to happen again in the future. And these two have reps. Yep. And
3: because they have reps, they're going to continue to make it as long as the team is halfway decent. Right. They now have all-star reps, which I think that's the most important thing. If I'm a Jazz fan, that's the most important thing is you do have the rep now. Hey, we've got two all-stars because they've got several guys in their 30s, and they've got expiring contract this year. They've got it next year. And the year after that. And so this is a never-ending process of building, maintaining, building again, yep. maintaining again. It never ends. It literally never ends. But we'll,
0: well, guys want to play here. And when yeah. you have a chance to play with a couple of all-stars, right. one of whom doesn't require a lot of shots.
3: <laughs> That's important. Right. So the fact that they have the two is pretty impressive. And both of those guys are under 30. As they continue, you know, if you win a title this year, that'd be absolutely awesome. It's the pinnacle, and it's not like you're going to fall off. But the idea of being competitive every year, there's something to be said for that, and that's hard to do. And, you know, obviously for the statues, they did it for almost two decades, and that was a great, great run. They didn't get the title, understand that. But it's still a great run. And that's what you want here. You want the title along with a great run. That's the best of both. But the fact that they have a foundation of two all-stars that are widely recognized. And pretty much now to the point of basically slam dunks. Yeah, those guys are all-stars. Of course they are. You know, Put out, Just like Stockton long Yeah, of course. Those guys, they're all-stars. So it's the same type of principle. So it allows them to have great marketing tools going forward for the next three to five years.
0: DJ and PK, Tim McComb, radio analyst for the Utah Jazz, joins us at 8.30. We've also got a couple Jazz fans here with uh, slightly different takes on Conley and the All-Star game and what it means going forward, and we will get to that next. Stay with us.
1: Now let's get this party started. This is. Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
4: I've always kind of felt like this is Rudy's team. that with The wins and losses fall on Rudy, but in the fourth quarter and, and the image of the team, it's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell will continue to be the image of the Utah Jazz because he's the high flyer. He's the showpiece. He's the guy that gets the possessions in the fourth quarter that either scores the points or doesn't score the points. So of course he's going to be the focal point, but Rudy Gobert is the heavy lifter.
1: What the Jazz are with him off the court as opposed to what they are on the court, it's dramatic. He is the best defensive big in the NBA, and it's not even close. Now, there's some bigs out there that can do some really special things on the offensive side, looking at you, Joker, but on the defensive side, nobody touches what Rudy Gobert can do and how he alters the game in so many different ways. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, the zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at DavisVisionMD.com. Okay. (laughs) Jazz have two All-Stars, but they didn't get the third. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert make their second consecutive All-Star team, but no Mike Conley. Are we outraged? Josh says, Mike's coming off a hamstring injury. We don't need it cropping up in the most pointless game on the planet. Somebody doesn't like the All Star Game, the most pointless game on the planet.
3: Uh, probably uh, there is uh, a merit to that. As far as any other games that are pointless, I guess there may be some regular season games, uh, but it does—they don't get the near the hype that uh, the uh, All Star Game gets. It's not about the game; it's about the opportunity
0: to be on the team. Yes, and to have that on your resume. Oh, yeah. resume. What, yes. what is
3: it going to add If Conley gets that on his resume Is he going to get more money He's already got as much money as he could possibly want This is a resume When you use the word resume That's something that I could present to an employer What is Conley going to be denied Because he won't have it maybe
0: His next contract How big will it be It might About be limited no by salary cap <laughs> Salary cap issues Who knows if he wants another
3: contract.
0: I'm assuming he wants another contract. He's playing. He's playing pretty well. Guys don't usually walk away at this point. Right. And you know what happens when you assume. There it is. Make a donkey out of you and me. (laughs) Steven says, I hope Mike is so mad that he plays like a madman. And there is a lot of this. Darren, he deserves it, but there's a chance he can make it with an injury to somebody else. But maybe he'll just play on a chip play with a chip on his shoulder, which will definitely help us. And it goes on and on. We got multiple people beyond this. I won't read them all. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, Edmund uh, have a chip on their shoulder. Okay, the thing is, I think we all think Connolly's already playing at a higher level. Do we think he needs more motivation is gonna make him play at an even higher level?
3: I want him to do what he can do, what I've seen him do up close for a season or so, and also from a distance for many, many years, 12 years in the league. Saw him at Ohio State, saw him in person at Ohio State, and have him continue to do that. I think the opportunity to win is an extreme intense motivator because you don't know what's coming down the pike. And when you're 33 years old, You realize the end is near. You've got more behind you than you have in front of you. That's just the way it is. So you value, I would think, the opportunities to be out there. And now you have the opportunity to win. I think that Conley, if you ask him, as far as when you got traded here, what were you looking to expect to get out of it? He's getting it. He's getting what he wanted. He's getting this opportunity to contribute to a winning team and here we are i mean no one's winning more than them man and we're almost halfway through the season and this is just awesome (laughs) they've got this opportunity that's real and it's legit and it's exciting so everything that i would think that he was looking for when he had to move his family and find a different route to the practice site and all that nonsense uh, it's right here. So if he finds a slight in his motivation, so be it. But the point I'm making is that I don't think that he needs any of that because the possibility here is so enticing. And who wouldn't want to win an NBA title, man, and be a starter? and be a, I mean, he's not just really a role player. He's an important piece of the, of the puzzle, man. When he gets it going, that just makes his team obviously that much better.
0: He's a third leading we don't yeah.
3: really, we don't consider him to be one of those guys to get hot from 3, right? He can do it, but it's not like we really look for him to do
0: that. That's probably fair. I mean he shoots
3: cuz he can do so yeah. much more.
0: Right. But I think in addition, he's the third leading scorer, so to your point, that's an important that's an important deal. And also it's winning scores. We've seen multiple games this year where the team's kind of been drifting at halftime and you're not sure how it's going to go. And then he comes out, hits a couple shots to open the third quarter, and gets the team rolling. You know, there's, there's buckets all over the place, but there's some, there's some possessions that create momentum and some possessions that destroy momentum. And so when you come out of the locker room at halftime and it's time to take over the game and he comes out, Hits a couple shots, you can just you can kind of see it. Everybody everybody gets a lift out of that. So an important part of the team, and then the deeper you go in the playoffs, the better that is. I mean, he's been to what? One Western Conference final, no NBA finals.
3: As far as I can recall. Yeah. And then also two, now we know we had Joe on last week. I wrote about this. You can go find it at KSL where he's talking about his comfort factor in his role and how last year he had started, he was a full-time starter like the last two and a half seasons prior to last year, right? So he comes in off the bench last year and by his own, his own acknowledgement, it was harder for him to find a rhythm and he—that's those are literally his words. I quote him on that. He said that on our air last week before he was telling us that he could hit 300 against Donovan Mitchell and had no problem going the other way with, uh, power. You know, with the outside cur- <laughs> with the backdoor curveball. Boom, he could slap it in that five point five hole. Oh, you know he could I mean? drive it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think he has any idea what the five point five hole is. <laughs>
0: Pretty <laughs> so, sure he doesn't.
3: Uh, he's talking about that stuff. And now when Conley's doing his thing, Joe has flourished in this role. We saw it just the other night in the very last game, right? So now you've got a guy who's a starter who's fulfilling and playing to his ability. Plus, you've got another guy off the bench. So now you've pretty much at that point you got three guys that you can count on minimum off the bench. Clarkson does his thing, right? He finds way to score, and he and he basically does it every game. Favors much more limited role, but you pretty much know what you're getting out of Favors just about every game, right? He's going to give you what he gives you. There's not a huge fluctuation in his contributions from game to game. Now if I got Joe and he's solidified in that role and that's going to be, and he knows it because Mike is solidified in his role combined with all the other dudes, I got the best record in the league. So Conley being able to play to the level that we need him to play. And then Joe that allows him to focus on what he does. It's like Conley's the key almost to two players.
0: You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Absolutely, and that's the thing about you. You're up close to the team. You see that kind of value, but when it comes to picking all stars, be the guy, score a lot of points, make your team win. And it, we've had a couple of people tweeted us, uh, you know, love Mike Conley, but 16 points and five assists doesn't make an all star game. And you have value it's in how you ball. how you fit in and how you do uh, how you make other guys better. But the Jazz going from where they've been the last few years, three years, to where they are now. It's a step, but Chris Paul's getting rewarded because they're making a bigger step. And he has a bigger rep. He does have a bigger rep, absolutely. And and I know I mean, it's only supposed to be for the first half of the season, but he's getting re- I think he's getting rewarded for Oklahoma City, too. I think people feel like they overachieved. Well, he made
3: the team. He, he yeah. made the all-star team last year.
0: Right. And so this guy makes everywhere he goes. He makes him better. And so he's the outlier, you know. He and uh, Simmons and Gobert and Simmons and Gobert—they're on teams where they don't score, but their teams right now have the best record in their conferences. And with Chris Paul, and you have to three, reward that. Yeah, these are the only three outliers, and the other 21 guys all score a gazillion points. And that's how we pick the All-Star team. Next. Mm-hmm. And I expect that's why Devin Booker is going to get in for AD. Now, if there's another injury in the, I don't know what we got left—a week, week and a half, probably nine days, I guess—leading up to the All Star Game, then you know we'll see where that goes. It could happen. It's, it's happened in previous years. All right, coming up next, Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio is going to check in. Tiger Woods. That was a horrific car accident. Uh, that wreck uh, in Southern California. Where does uh, Tiger go from here? We will talk with uh, Brian coming up next. And Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst at 8.30, Larry the Laker in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Brian Taylor. You hear him on Real Golf Radio every Saturday morning here on the Zone Sports Network. BT, good morning. Good morning, guys. We usually talk to you around the majors, and we will do that with the Masters coming up, but uh, major golf news here with Tiger Woods and the uh, the one-car wreck. And I, I think the thing we all thought, and I assume you thought it too, when you saw the the either the video or the still pictures of the car, it's just it's a good thing he survived this. Before we get to the golf, we need to acknowledge that.
5: Uh, without a doubt, you know. I mean, it's always disturbing to hear news like this. You know, we've. We've heard of Tiger Woods, um, you know, news of involving of traffic incidents in the past and it's um, it's always a, you know, it's always a, a, an unnerving thing, you know. I mean, one day you're doing a, you know, you're hosting a tournament on the PGA Tour and doing an interview with Jim Nance talking about uh, hoping to come back and be ready for the Masters and the next thing, you know, you hear about a car accident that uh, is severe and that he's in surgery and... And uh, you don't know, right? And uh, looking at the wreckage, um, it—I think the L.A. County uh, deputy said it best. You know, it's a sort of a marvel of modern vehicle safety uh, features that allow someone to survive a crash that otherwise would be would
3: have been fatal. You still think he is the face of golf? Uh, yeah,
5: I, I think so. I mean, if you were to say, "Is who's the face of golf?" I, I, I don't, I don't think you could make an argument for someone other than than Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, he's he's certainly done more um, for the game, and, and and especially been more successful and and uh, popularized the game more than anyone since probably Arnold Palmer in the '60s when TV first started showing golf. So, yeah, I, I think Tiger's still the face of golf.
0: So, of everything you've heard and everything you've read, when will the face of golf be back on a golf course? Because it doesn't sound like it'll be any time soon, uh, of what they're talking about with his right leg.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it was you know, specifically the right leg and uh, maybe both legs a bit. Um, there were, you know, we learned some words, right? <laughs> learned, you know, he, basically it's the shin bone and the bone that goes around the calf, so it's all below his knee, uh, around the fibula and tibula, uh, tibia. And then, um, you know, this, uh, I can't even remember the name of the word they use, but it's basically, it was, it was broken multiple times. Um, so you, you know, I think most people just say shattered, but there was a more, um, a technical term for that. And, and then there was also a compound, um, uh, fractures. So it was breaking the skin. So it was pretty bad. Uh, I mean, this is, this is nasty stuff. And, um, you know, I talked to an orthopedic surgeon friend of mine. He'll be joining in the show, uh, this weekend to talk more in detail, but He expects that, uh, you know, with the rod and the pins and the screws and everything that was done to him that was during the emergency surgery, that he will be able to walk again, that he'll be able to play golf again. And um, I I asked him kind of a time frame, and and he said most people would probably be a year, and they'd be happy about it. He said no and Tiger is probably going to be, you know, six months, uh, and he's going to be back at it. So, um, you know, I asked him if there's still a possibility of uh, infection, like what Alex Smith battled, and he said absolutely. Um, that's that's really something that they'll be watching so you know it's not it's not done yet but um you know Tiger has been through a lot you know four knee surgeries five back surgeries still recovering from the one so how how did that impact it you know certainly a a crash like that would have put some some stress on a on a on an ailing back as well so you know I think there's a lot that we still need to to find out but I think there's definitely hope that we'll see Tiger and and probably, you know, best-case scenario, expectations we will see Tiger back on the golf course. At, at what level and, and 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 how good, you know, I guess that all remains to be seen. But like I said, the, the one thing we know about Tiger is he's, he's tough and, and he's come back. His body has recovered from a whole lot.
3: We saw a great outpouring by, obviously, former pros and current touring pros. What is his standing amongst his peers as far as Obviously, they respect him, but I'm talking about liking him. Yeah, that's a good one, PK, BK,
5: because I think that uh, in the beginning, uh, I think Tiger was a bit of a recluse. You know, he was uh, an intimidating figure out there that was really focused on himself and and, and breaking um, records, you know, and doing things that others hadn't done before. And, you know, and uh, I think a, a lot of his, you know, 15th club in the bag was, You know, the way he went about his work uh, on the golf course. And not only did he involve the fans in in that intimidation, you know, getting them roaring and the fist pumps and, you know, just sort of overpowering a golf course and and winning at a clip that that we hadn't seen before. Um, And and that didn't take a lot of friends. He didn't take a lot of friends with him. I mean, Marco Miro was about his only notable friend out there. I mean, he got to be pretty good buddies with Fred Couples as as time went on. But, you know, you didn't hear about him palling around with a lot of the guys. And um, that's, that's certainly changed in the last few years. Uh, you know, I mean, Tiger's gone through a lot, you know, off the golf course as well. And he's, he's reached out, you know, and to the younger players, the, the Ricky Fowlers, Justin Thomas's, you know, those types of, of guys. And, and he's, he's definitely more gregarious now. And I think at, at the 20-plus years that we've covered Tiger Woods out on tour, I think he's probably most well-liked and well-received and more human, I guess, um, uh, friendly to, to others than we've ever known him out there. And I think that's something that he's come to learn and appreciate that, you know, that's, that's a fraternity he wants to be a part of. And at times when he wasn't sure he'd be able to be back out there, I think he missed it and, and, and realized, uh, you know, how much he appreciated the, the gregarious nature of, of the tour. And so he's made an effort and I don't think he made much of an effort at all in, in the early stages. And maybe that was some of the coaching that and training that he had from his dad, you know, who was uh you know, a former Marine and, and that type of thing. So um, there's it's interesting to see the evolution. And, and lately you've hear, heard more comments from Tiger about, you know, how he's just enjoying the chance to be around his family and enjoy, watch his kids grow up and play ball with his kids. And, and then most recently we saw him in December before this latest back surgery playing golf with his son Charlie at the father's son, and, and that meant a ton to him. And so all those things are, are evolutions, you know, in his career to where he's accepting the fact that he's not uh, at, at the elite level he once was. That there'll still maybe be flashes and moments where he'll bust out and win, and win again. Um, but he's going to appreciate the time that he, that he has and the opportunity that he has out there and maybe relish a little bit about the career that he, that he was able to put together.
0: So, when he was number one and he had the intimidation factor and it was useful, the only relationships he really built were with guys like Omira and couples who were from a generation previous and they knew they weren't battling for number one anymore. But now the tiger's not battling for number one. As you say, it's more about flashes and that week when everything comes together. Now he can afford those relationships and it doesn't cost him a chance to win the way it did, or it might have early on. Why give yeah, up the intimidation factor?
5: Right. I think there's something to that. I, I think that you know Tiger was, was, was trained and programmed to, you know, win at all costs. I, I shared this story last night. I'll just just briefly had a chance to visit with him in two thousand and five after we just found out he had a knee surgery and and I asked him, um, you know, in a private setting, I'm like, how could you go out and play like that without letting anybody know that you were, you know, that you were hurt to the point where you were going to require knee surgery? And he gave me this steely stare. This is like in 2005, I think. He gave me this steely stare, and he says, "Never let your your competition know you're hurt. To hell with them." And I, I was like, "Whoa, whoa! I'm, I'm just asking the question. I'm not. I'm not, not one of your." Co- it literally was like a death stare, and uh, I just caught a little glimpse of that killer instinct that. That tiger had and and i remember kind of chuckling to bob later like you know phil mickelson doesn't have that and uh that was uh they were the two rivals back in the day and and uh, anyway it was just interesting it was it was a little brief insight and i can't claim to have a lot but that was one of those little brief insights to what i saw out of a out of a competitor that just wanted to win at all costs and i think that that was tiger for most of his career
3: all right uh, an uncomfortable question does tony fino have that Uh, that is an uncomfortable question, um, Gal. You know,
5: um, I, I mean, Tony is way nicer than Tiger. <laughs> Let's just say it, right? I mean, right, Tony is right. a, is a. Go, go ahead.
3: No, I'm agreeing with you. I agree oh, with yeah. you, Brian. Yeah.
5: Yeah, he's like, he is like there's 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 he, it'd be tough to find a nicer guy in or out of sports than Tony Fina. and genuine. Not not just when the cameras are on or or anything. Genuine um does he have the ability to just step on a guy's throat I think that that's something that we debate I, I have no question that you that he has that burning inside him um he doesn't have the um outward demonstrative displays that you might see out of some athletes like I mean John Rahm and he are good friends on tour and Rahm is the opposite right I mean I think Rom's a great guy too nice person but he is now, boy, he has his his you know he lets it out right, and you know when he's upset or or things aren't going well. And, and Tony has has done a really good job of holding it in. I don't I don't want to be critical of a guy like that. In fact, I think it's more impressive that if somebody competing at that highest level, he has to have that burning inside of him, and for him to be able to control his emotions and always have perspective, regardless of the outcome. I think that is that is a, a high quality trait in somebody, and not something to to um, criticize him for not showing that type of anger or emotion when it doesn't go his way. So it's hard for me to say on an outward scale that Tony doesn't have it. He doesn't seem to display it the same way as a Tiger Woods or like, as I just mentioned to John Rom, but I'm not so sure that means it's a weakness or that he can't win. I, I, I think he's got the talent and, and I think he has, um, the ability to to close things out on Sunday, and it's just it's a bit of a pro you know progression. And sometimes, I mean, we look at a David Duval. It took him a long time, it took Phil a long time to win majors. You know, even though he was winning other tournaments at a high clip. So um, we'll, we'll see. I guess I'm not not ready to say he doesn't have that. I, I will say that I don't think very many people have what Tiger had or has. You know, I, I think that's pretty unique and comes you know Tiger's a once in a generational type of athlete. You know, for our sport, and and I don't I just I don't think comparing anything of Tiger to anybody in particular is probably a fair comparison.
0: Well, I'd agree with that last point. I would say there's absolutely no chance that Tony Finau has what Tiger has. It's not even remotely close. But to your point, so few people have what Tiger has. I mean, it's literally a handful across multiple sports. So I'd compare. I'd take PK's question, but I'd phrase, does, does Tony have what, say, Phil has? Because while Phil pales in comparison to the attitude Tiger walked around with, Phil does have a little bit of that and we see it even now when it's a fun event and are mic'd up. Like Phil's a world class trash talker. So he's got <laughs> a little bit of that, or he wouldn't pop off and say the stuff he does. The stuff he says is hilarious. For PK and I sitting in front of our TVs watching it, it's was like, okay, that's a funny line. But he still got a little bit of that in a competitive times, and it did take him a while to win major championships and figure it out. So I guess the question is, is Tony on the path to win championships and figure it out? Maybe not win to the level Phil did, because Phil's still a, certainly a top 20 and maybe a top 10 golfer all time. But to get one or two majors and to get 10 tour wins, I guess that's the level I'm wondering if Tony can get to because I think he has the talent to get to that level and he's still got the time to get to that level but he's got to get going and when he's standing over a putt like he stood over on the first playoff hole in LA you don't have to be the bad guy you just got to make that putt and if you make the putt you win the tournament
5: Uh, yeah I mean you're spot on right I mean he had about a six and a half footer to close it out and you know what? Great champions do that. They take it, they seize the moment and they make it happen. Um, I mean, you you know, even Max Homa. So those are two guys that were in a playoff that were both searching for their, their second PGA tour win. I don't think there's anyone out there that would suggest that Max Homa, who now has twice as many tour wins as Tony Finau was the more superior golfer in that playoff. I think everyone recognizes Tony's talent and, and that they expected him to win. And so when he doesn't, it's, it's tough. Right. And, um, so there, there's some things that he's going to have to learn. I mean, on uh, you know, making that putt when you're given the opportunity. Max Holman missed a little bunny on the 72nd hole or there wouldn't have even been a playoff. So, you know, he was able to dig deep, come back, find a way, find a shot off of that tree, you know, make a par, move on, and win. And those are the kind of things that Tony's still working through. I mean, clearly, he's got to be able to do that. And but, but you can't knock the guy for shooting a, a, a tournament, you know, uh, weekly, you know, the tournament low score for the week in the final round to chase them down and and just not get it done. But when you're teeing off first in a playoff. Um, you know, hit the middle of the green, put the pressure on the guy behind you to have to hit the green on that par three instead of going at the flag and having to draw a little too much and finding the bunker short side. I mean, those are, those are some things that you're going to, yeah, you have to break that down and put that in your bag and, and figure out how to overcome those. So that when you do get opportunities to win, you know, you us go back to the masters. He's in the final group. He's matching tiger shot for shot till he gets to 12 and he hits a chip cut nine iron to a right flag. And with that win, you do not cut to that flag on on 12, on sun, to the Sunday flag. You don't do it. If you saw what Tiger did, he took it straight over the bunker. You know, those are some things that you just have to learn in certain situations when to press and when not to press. So um, do I think he can get to 10 wins on tour and, and win three, or three majors? I, I still do. Like you said, DJ, he's got time. He's got the talent. Uh, I think he just has to put that last little combination of, you know, how to close out tournaments. And, uh, and I, I think he definitely has it, and I expect him to do it.
3: And at the same time, it was disappointing. I mean, this guy's got everybody in the state rooting for him and probably every Polynesian who's ever been born or yet to be born or has been born in a great beyond. So he's got, in terms of popularity, it literally is off the charts. Uh, so with that in mind, he's not going to be defined by missing a putt at the L.A. Open, nor is he going to be defined by winning – the LA Open. For him, as you say, there's much bigger stuff out there. So that's why I I didn't really sweat it that he didn't make that putt. It's not like he doesn't want to win. I get all that. But the LA Open, it's nice to have, but you look at somebody like Kepka who I brought up the other I think on Monday mm-hmm. that I, I think on the, on the tour, he only really I think it was like he, he only has 8 wins. He's got some other wins in the European Tour and whatnot. But on the P.J. Tour, he's got eight wins. But four of them are majors, right? So he stands out. So I think that that's the goal. And and correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to get your response to it. Going forward here, I would have been way more dismayed if that's in six weeks in Augusta when he misses that what you labeled a a six-and-a-half-footer than the L.A. Open I, I want to know as far as the mindset to be able to do it then, because I think that's what's going to define now in 10 years or so as he ages out of it and gets closer to the senior tour, whatever they call it now. Respond to that. Yeah. No, I mean, look,
5: the the major Tiger put Jack, I think even more so uh, began the the focus on majors. Tiger followed that up and made the emphasis on major championships your golf professional golfers the pga tour um european tour professional golf in general they are measured tour players are measured by the the majors right that is the measuring stick and so you're 100 percent right i mean brooks kepka's got immortality with his with the way he went on that major streak. you know even if he only has the the single digit wins um so that that is where you actually absolutely make your career so if tony goes out and wins a couple of majors and those are the only tournaments he ends up winning um is that a bigger deal than picking up the la open in puerto rico 100 percent, right i mean there's not even that's not even an argument but you know i mean andy north won two tournaments in his career and both of them were u.s opens and andy north doesn't exactly get the same level of respect that that some of the other players i would suggest that. You know, um, Tony's had a better career than than Andy North, and some people, and you could argue that he's got two U.S. Opens. Well, what are you gonna say? But um, I, I just think it's, um, I, I think Tony. Um, back to your point, he uh, ha- has to have it done in the majors. You know, he's Boyd Summerhays' coach says that he's built for big tournaments. We've seen in his career that you know i think the best tournament to yet in his young career back in 2015 was in uh was in washington at the pga championship or the u.s open there at chambers bay you know and it was a big golf course it was a tough golf course and tony played the best that he'd played there and we've started to see that over and over uh where he you know the bigger the course the bigger the tournament it seems to be the better tony plays And you know we saw him in contention at shinnecock you know when brooks ended up beating him there and you know he just he, he, he keeps putting himself there, and I have to think a, a, a player that's able to continue to put himself there is going to be able to break through and win one there. Now, it's, it's an interesting study. I'm not a sports psychologist, but you can go back, and, and one of the interesting things about Brooks Kepka, he, he went a tough route. He went over to the European Tour, and it was basically the European Challenge Tour, like the, the Web.com Corn Fairy Tour of the European Tour. And he went over there, and he got some wins. And that boosted him up to the European Tour, and he got some wins, and he got into some world ranking points, which got him into some PGA Tour events. So he did it winning. Now, Tony turned pro real early uh, as a teenager and you know, didn't get a chance to play college golf. And, and a lot of the things that Bob talked about on our show is this progress of winning when you win at all levels. You know, and and just understanding how to win. And I guess the one thing you could say is Tony hasn't had that per se, you know, the way some of the other guys have done. I mean, you look at Tiger's he dominated junior golf. He dominated at Stanford in college golf, and then he immediately went out and dominated tour golf. Now, again, Tiger's obviously, as we've we've established, is, (laughs) is not like any other player. But that's the one thing that maybe Tony's resume doesn't have is a long history of winning at those various levels. And so, you know, maybe that's just a, a little hump that he's got to get over. But I can't I don't think you can find anybody out there that feels like once he gets the one, it's going to open the floodgates. And, and uh, because Tony's such a different player than he was from Puerto Rico years ago. And, and I think there's a lot still to be had for Tony. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's those are the thoughts that come to mind.
0: Well, we appreciate a few minutes, as always. Real Golf Radio coming up on uh, Saturday morning every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. Brian Taylor join us, and he and Bob Cast will be here on Saturday. Brian, thanks for a few minutes to talk a little Tony, because a lot of people are really invested in him. Boy, you could just see it on Twitter. It's like, come on, Tony,
5: do it. It's a lot harder to, to, to watch golf when you're rooting for somebody than when you're just watching a play through, that's for sure. So yeah. we're all wishing Tony the best, man. All
0: right, thanks, Brian. You got it. All right, when we come back, Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio studio analyst. It's the Jazz, and it's the Lakers tonight. Tim's coming up next.
4: Now let's get this party started.
1: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
4: I've always kind of felt like this is Rudy's team. that with The wins and losses fall on Rudy, but in the fourth quarter and, and the image of the team, it's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell will continue to be the image of the Utah Jazz because he's the high flyer. He's the showpiece. He's the guy that gets the possessions in the fourth quarter that either scores the points or doesn't score the points. So of course he's going to be the focal point, but Rudy Gobert is the heavy lifter.
7: What
1: the Jazz are with him off the court as opposed to what they are on the court, it's dramatic. He is the best defensive big in the NBA, and it's not even close. Now, there's some bigs out there that can do some really special things on the offensive side, looking at you, Joker, but on the defensive side, nobody touches what Rudy Gobert can do and how he alters the game in so many different ways. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: It's 97.5 at 12.8 in the zone. Brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Tim, you got a couple of backup singers. Tim Lacombe joins us now. He doesn't sound like an assistant basketball coach right now. He sounds really good. You guys are like the doo wop boys. Oh, yeah. I was totally lip singing in here, but I don't want my voice to wreck this. But Yak, Yak will tell you. Yeah, DJ's in your lip singing. And he also knows that I shouldn't make any noise when I sing. It's much better if I just, <laughs> just lip sing it. All right, Tim. It's been Big. about a week, right? Hasn't been that long a time since we visited. <laughs> Hey, you're doing games every day. It's never that long a time before you're back in studio, is it? Getting a whole oh new appreciation gosh, for the NBA grind.
7: <laughs> Holy cow. It
0: is unbelievable.
7: Like, you- I feel like I'm on, um, like nights I have off for like manna from heaven. And I love watching it. I love being in there. But it's just, it is so much work, man. It's great, though. Yeah. And it's great. It's great that uh, it's a lot of work around a, a sizzling hot team.
0: Oh, yeah. You're doing the right year. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely doing the right year.
7: You sat through some, I guess. As as uh,
0: well, I mean, the PK and I have been doing this for 20 years, and so uh, you know we've talked about teams that were good, teams that were mediocre, and teams that were bad. I mean, you can go look it up; it's no secret. And when I did the five years of TV pre, half, and post, they were mostly pretty good. Then it was it was basically the heart of the D. Will Carlos Boozer. You know, so they were they were 50-win teams, and, and they were winning a playoff series most years. Um, That's cool. But uh, <laughs> talking to Thurl, who then had to go through the rebuild, I'm like, Thurl, man, I would text him, like, this looks like hard work tonight, Thurl, and he's like, you're so lucky. Because <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. Everybody knows you're rebuilding, right? And it's all about the draft, but you got to do 20 games before you get to the draft, and You know, get the payoff. So
7: as you yeah, you got to get down to the the screen level. You got to talk about screens (laughs) every night.
0: So the Jazz are playing the Lakers, and I'm curious: uh, does this stand out to you? Is it big game among the many because it is the Lakers and it's LeBron, or because they're missing a couple of really important players after LeBron? Does that take the edge off this one for you?
7: No, I still think it's the Lakers and and it's LeBron, and you know if he were to be out. I'd probably feel different, you know, if it were just AD per se, per se. but there's something about LeBron and you you know, what he's capable of doing pretty close to by himself. Um, he's getting up there in age, but he's still playing at such a great level and um, is in my mind, one of the greats of all time. So uh, it, it's one that definitely got my attention. I have, you know, a little more excited prepping for the Lakers than, than others.
3: Yeah, I can understand that. To me, at this point, when you have the best record in the league, though, it's really not about the opposition. You've earned this opportunity to say you have the best record in the league. So I don't really care who's coming in, who's not coming in with their team and all. It's about the Jazz, and if Jazz, if they do what they do, they're not going to win them all, obviously. But they should have an opportunity to win all these games. That's my mindset.
7: Well, and that doesn't surprise me because you're, you know, I mean, you're – I imagine that's how you treat the neighbors, you know. If you're going to walk by my house, you're going to stand at attention. Um, get a chuckle out of you, a little Maybe. bit. Yeah, I heard I it. I did. I did. Yeah. I, did. I did. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Uh, no the uh, the one thing I will say, you know, I, I checked it tonight. The Jazz are eight and a half point favorites tonight, and um, you know, like you said, there's there's some missing pieces there for the Lakers, but still, uh, that that just kind of that that's a you know, I could see four and a half, five with LeBron, but eight and a half. It just shows the really how well this team's playing, what they're thought of out there, uh, what the numbers say. It, most importantly, because that's what Vegas is all about—is the numbers. They don't care about feelings. It's all numbers, and um, and, and the Jazz have just kind of continued to, to chug along. I mean, this last game against Charlotte was so crazy because I. In the pregame, after watching the film, after looking at all the ma- matchup numbers and everything else, I honestly felt a blowout. And, you know, for about three quarters, I was a little bit uncomfortable because I went ahead and had put myself out there, which I don't know if I'll do that again. But <laughs> uh, I tweeted out, hey, I feel, I'm smelling a blowout. But lo and behold, you know, it was a blowout, and it was all done in about four and a half, five minutes. Um, and that's what's scary about this team, too, is the sportability. And the reason they can do that is they're elite defensively. Uh, the key to this whole run has been the number of times they've gone on a ten-zero run, which is hard to do. Uh, and they do it all the time. And the key to that is the other team has zero. You know, the Jazz find a way to get that separation in a game.
0: So are the spurts and, as you put it, the spurtability – uh, do we have to rethink the way we think of that, though? is uh, Because of the three-point shot, the way you used to look at a 10-0 run or a 10-point lead, shouldn't we be thinking about that now? It's a 15 or, I don't know if I can go 20. I, I don't know. How do you look at it? Because it just seems like these leads, they don't mean what they used to mean. Well,
7: I, I can totally see that. But I, but with the Jazz, I think they kind of do. Um, and I, to your point, I mean, it's... It, Ten, the Jazz were down, you know, as many as ten the other night. Seems like to Charlotte, nine or ten anyway.
0: It was eleven at eighty-one seventy. Okay, and that's eleven. When, that's when they went on their forty-one to eleven run, and you started feeling okay. better about your Twitter feed.
7: Yeah, so um, with the Jazz, I feel because they play so good, so so good defensively, um, and, and they're really kind of locked in. The, the ten 0 run is meaningful for them because. It's hard for a team to really kind of put a run back on them once they hit you with one. But you're right. I mean, I think 10 points anymore, that's three trips down the floor and you're in a one-point game. So it's definitely different. And uh, it's – yeah, you're probably probably right majority of the league, but I think the Jazz at 10-0 run still means something because of the way they guard.
3: So the one thing that concerns me tonight – is the law of averages, man. And these guys were unbelievably hot the other night. So I'm concerned about there's a little drop-off because there's no way you can shoot like that over and over again. How much concern do you have?
7: Well, we're only talking about what they shoot 50% from three, 50... What was it, 50, David? You're the number guy, 52? Uh, it's
0: 28 to 55, so it's probably 51 yeah, to 52. 50. I'd have to look it up, yeah.
7: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. they're they're 10% higher than... 10, 12% higher than, than their normal average. But, uh, what's been pretty constant with his team is, uh, you know, they're going to get about 43s up a night. And what has also been a constant is they're going to shoot nearly 40%. So yeah, I I don't see them, you know, hitting 50 all that often, but in the NBA at that quantity of shots, you know, to to make close to 40% of them, I know they've hovered right around 40%, um, for the majority, we talk a lot on the pre post about taking forty threes and making forty percent of them is quite a feat that forty forty club, and the jazz are the only ones that have kind of touched that this year, but um i i don't it doesn't make me nervous that uh you know the threes will just disappear and the law of averages will come back because the law of averages in the jazz case are still pretty good.
0: So while I do look at how much they make and worry about the law of averages, I think the thing that's not getting nearly the attention is how many do you take? You can't make it if you don't shoot it. And 55 threes is a lot to take, but Charlotte was offering him up because they were trying to clog up the lane and bring in a third defender, so there were three-pointers out there. But the Clippers held them to 34 attempts. How many makes are you going to have if you're only going to take 34 in a game? And I say only 34. They didn't average that two years ago. But every year, Quinn's got them taking more. You know, the numbers don't lie. Every year he's been here, their three-point attempts have gone up. But clearly for the best teams in the league, aren't they going to limit how many they attempt? Whether they go in or not, they're going to spend 48 minutes trying to limit how many the Jazz attempt.
7: Yeah, and there's you know teams have done that all year, um, and, and really you can kind of look at the box score at the end of the game, and you can you could formulate if you watched enough, you can formulate what the defense did that night. You know, if Rudy's attempts are way up off of his average, you know they're hugging shooters. Um, I made the comment after the Clipper game. I really do believe the Clippers are probably um, one of a few because I know there's probably some. You know, like, for instance, Minnesota. The way Minnesota came in here and guarded, um, they were able to put a lot of pressure, be really physical, switch everything. Um, And I'll tell you what, the Clippers did an unbelievable job. Really, if you watch the Clipper game, and there's a way you can actually do this. Go to YouTube and watch those highlights. It's an awesome way. It shows every bucket for both teams. So you can get a a pretty fast synopsis of, of the game but you can also see how the team's guarded and it's such a stark contrast between the Clipper game where space looked like trying to figure out a way to, you know, like in real estate, trying to find a way a house up on the East bench. Um, it, 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 there's, it's crowded. There's no, there's no space and, and everything's really, really expensive. That's how the Clipper game was. Um, conversely, the Charlotte game, in, there were driving lines, there were space all over the place. Um, and it it really was an, an instance in Charlotte where they got beat to a certain point and then they committed three or four guys to the ball. And so the Jazz had no other option than to kick that thing out and shoot horse shots. And that's really what they did most of the night. Once they were able to kind of manage the turnovers, know that there was guys coming to dig, it was a classic case of overhelping. Um, whereas the Clippers, they were so disciplined – uh, they really only had to commit one, maybe one, a half a guy to the ball. So you're just not playing on the number of advantages played. And, and that's the Clippers team, maybe one or two others, are capable of doing something very, very similar for a long period of time. But what you'll see most nights is teams are hell-bent on taking away the three. They get absolutely killed inside. And so they start kind of, you know, as as lockpoles, it says, pull the ripcord on the plan, and then it all hell breaks loose.
3: Did the Clipper game give you any long-term concern? Should they meet up in the postseason?
7: Not at all. I mean, mainly because I've actually felt like coming into the year that if the Clippers could get their their stuff right internally, um, that they really were one of the best Constructed rosters, and then you add, you know, the the championship kind of element of Kawhi. Um, you know, I'm not a huge. I know Paul George is really talented. I'm just not a huge Paul George guy from a competitive standpoint. I don't know what it is, but I just don't know uh, if he's done enough yet to earn that from me. Uh, I, I know he's a special talent, but I just don't know it. When the money's on the table, what are you going to get? Um, but I still think the Clippers in my mind, are a team that, you know, hey, they're going to be out there. They're they're a big-time team. They're constructed great. And a series with them will be games just like that. Um, and I don't think either team will run away and hide. Um, I think that, you know, in this instance, the, the Clippers got the better, the better of the Jazz, but they did it by a couple of points at their place. And so – A series of, you know, that's going to be a culmination of a a lot of things, and that's why you really want to try to stay in this first-place spot and avoid having to play, you know, maybe the Lakers and the Clippers. Let those two guys duel it out. Uh, If, you know, they end up being two and three, and and then one of them comes to face you after going through that.
0: You know, in the the Jazz-Clipper game, I think there were multiple. you, You basically saw Paul George's whole career. On display, multiple things he did right, and then multiple things that were horrific. And the things he did right, you know, the score and the rebound and the big plays, but then in the final minute of the game, the turnover, you know, that was bad. It does happen, but it was bad. But to compound Pelton it three. by, fi- well, before we get that, by fouling Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt, 70 feet from the hoop, oh, stopping yeah, right. the clock, that's horrific. And you should know that's horrific playing AAU or high school ball. You don't foul a guy 70 feet from the hoop in that situation, and yet he did. And then the fouling on the three, you're just compounding. You're doubling down. You don't do that either. Again, stop the clock and give a good shooter three free throws. That's a crazy thing to do. And I think those three things are why the red flag goes up. What are you going to get from Paul George in the biggest moments?
7: So this is – we actually used a – the best we could – we'd go watch kids play and we would actually put a, a score on there for lack of a better word. I mean, time and score understanding uh-huh. coach Rose always said, you know, I want guys to understand the score and play uh, based on, you know, they, 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 understand the score. They understand what it takes to win. And, and so we would actually go in there and kind of watch. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's a kind of a thing that is developed and guys innately have um, initially or it's kind of developed and but even at that point um, you know where is everybody's mindset is it on individual accolades is it on what I'm doing after the game or is it in that moment and that's the thing like you said with Paul George I he there's no doubt the guys so extremely talented but I just uh, I just wonder when it maybe it all starts kind of puts, gets put together for him and basketball and winning becomes the most important thing. Um, because from outside looking in, um, you know, I look at this Jazz team, and from last year to this year, the, the growth mentally and the maturity that's come from uh, going through what they went through last year, um, you know, having heartbreaking game seven that really did make these guys go back to the lab and say, how can we improve um, – There's a difference in that and then just one where, hey, I'm getting paid X amount of dollars, I'm going to go out and hoop. Um, And that's the transformation that that I think you're talking about there, or that's the realization for Paul George that I think we're talking about. It's it's probably every coach that's ever coached him, there's, you know, and I know Cleve, maybe you can ask Cleve about it, but a guy who's just can do so much, but at the same time, you know, how important is it all to him?
0: Tim, as always, we appreciate it. Hope we didn't uh, use all your material because you got an hour on the pregame show tonight before the Jazz and the Lakers.
7: No, I just try to give you my B-roll stuff. Um, <laughs> I save the, the good stuff for the golden folder.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, well, we'll listen to hear what's in the golden folder tonight at 7.
7: But I do sit in your spot over there. I, I, I'm second chair, but I sit on your side,
0: <laughs> okay. Mr. TJ. All right. Thanks, all Tim. Guys, thanks. Thanks. Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio analyst, former BYU assistant coach, a staff member up at Utah under Rick Mangieri as well, and you're him with Jake Scott, seven o'clock tonight on Jazz Game Night, the pregame show, the game tips at eight o'clock. It's on ESPN and AT and T Sportsnet, and David Locke. will have the call right here on the Zone Sports Network. Jazz are three and a half games up on the Lakers, a chance to go up four and a half here. All right, coming up, uh, Larry the Laker in the nine o'clock hour. So we'll hear more about the Lakers. Larry hasn't checked in in a while, hasn't been here to irritate people in a while, but I bet he brings his A-game today. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
4: The Big Show, yeah. Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson people who really know basketball thought Mike Conley would make the adjustment quicker than ordinary, but it actually could have worked in the exact opposite way, where he was so entrenched in what he'd been doing. Then he comes to the Jazz, and he's playing with different players, and Quinn wants to play a little differently, and he's got to adjust to all that. I
0: always thought he was going to have to fit in with Donovan and Rudy. I think I underestimated how difficult that transition was going to be for him, but what I think it does say is how coachable Mike Conley is. It'd be easy to say, I'm Mike W you, Conley. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sit down and pay attention. You might just learn something. You know, that wasn't his take all along.
1: Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7
0: presented by Big O Tires.
1: The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join hands in Scotty G. 10 to 2 at The Warehouse. 1825 South Three Hundred West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! That was a different one right there. I don't think you've. I don't think you've shared that. You boom vary them up your booms. If yeah. you're
3: consistent with your booms, they tune out the booms. Believe me.
0: Yeah. No, you got to vary the speed on those pitches, and that's where you really shine. He sped that one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'll he'll throw you some 79 mile an hour breaking stuff, and then then he'll bring the 100 mile an hour heat. You just don't know what you're going to get out of PK.
3: I can guarantee you. That I can throw 20 pitches to Ingles, and he's not going to touch any of them.
0: <laughs> Doubling down. <laughs> That's so you.
3: <laughs> Guy asked me yesterday, hey, who was your favorite ASU football player growing up? I quickly answered without hesitation. I said, Frank Cush.
0: The mastermind. The coach.
3: Oh, uh, I see why you went with him. He was a total B.A. I said, Yeah. It wasn't about the players. It was about Frank. There's two Franks in my life, Sinatra and Cush, and both of them were bad dudes.
0: Just wanted to check real quick and make sure Frank wasn't from uh, Jersey. I think he's from Pennsylvania Pennsylvania or something. Yeah, Pennsylvania, some small town in Pennsylvania. Yes. All right, question of the morning. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert make their second consecutive All-Star team. But no Mike Conley. Are we outraged? People are not outraged. They are disappointed. A good percentage of them are hoping this motivates Mike and he plays with a chip on his shoulder in the second half. I don't really view him as a guy who needs a chip on his shoulder. Do you? Don't you think it's pretty much there, the level he's playing at? I guess if you have a chip on your shoulder and you can play 10 or 20% better, you'd take it. You'd take anybody getting 10 or 20% better.
3: I think right now all the motivation is apparent when you look at the standings Yeah. because this team will rise and fall as a team. And because that there is a lot of yeah, buts, oh, and these are the Hawks, I guess some Mm -hmm. year – in the recent past, the Hawks were good, but Flame—I couldn't even tell you the year because I don't give a crap. <laughs> but I've heard it. I've heard. I've seen headlines, but I don't investigate the story because it's meaningless. It has no bearing. I don't waste my time with stuff that have no has no bearing on what the Jazz are trying to accomplish. So I don't hear. I don't want to hear about the Hawks. I've heard it. And I don't even know the year, and I know you do because you're a numbers nerd, and so you go into all that crap. But for me, I swatted away, and all this stuff of, yeah, but, that's all the motivation you need. Because everybody out there, everybody, every single body doesn't believe That the Jazz are finals worthy. So some stupid little all-star snub, while a disappointment in the moment, pales in comparison to the motivation that is out there. Because the second you lose a fourth game in the postseason, unless I guess it's the finals, maybe conference finals, certainly not first or second round if you should lose in either of those two rounds, everybody's going to come out and say, See? And so that motivation right there is staring Quinn Snyder and every assistant and Donovan Mitchell and every player on that team right in the face every day. You might as well put it. They put somebody who does the marquees on the freeways tries to be funny on Mondays, and I know it's hard to do in a limited thing, but that's what they should put out there in on those marquees. Jazz, you're not going to get to the finals quote says everybody because that's what they're facing so that's the motivation and it's right there every single game
0: it's shaq that's the moment of the year that's where it all crystallizes right i mean shaq said what a gazillion other people are saying but he said it he's shaq and he said it on national tv and he said it to donovan in a post game and that in a nutshell is everything you just uh- said Shaq's Donovan, for a lot of I love years.
3: you, man, but I don't, th- I, don't think, I don't think you can do it. All right. That's it? That's all you got to say? All right. <laughs> okay. That's what I wanted to hear. Good luck to you lucky, brother. That's what happened.
0: As Shaq impersonations going, that was, that was something. It was the 2015 Hawks. 60 wins, PK. They got swept by Cleveland. I, don't the do it. Finals. Ah! Ah!
3: Ah! Don't want to know it. Don't and, care. And then no LeBron came back from, now.
0: And then LeBron came back from 3-1 to beat the Warriors. It was one, one month of LeBron being LeBron, breaking everybody's hearts, and getting the championship for Cleveland. All right, coming up, 9 o'clock hour, Larry the Laker's going to check in at some point, so you got that to look forward to. It's the Jazz and the Lakers tonight, and more on that game coming up next. Stay with us. PK, are they still playing this in L.A.? Back in the day, you could hear this in Laker yeah. games.
3: Oh, yeah. I was there many times yeah. for work, and they would play that when they basically have the game in hand and make a big comeback or whatever it might be, and the place would go nuts at the form.
0: Time to welcome in a guy who has definitely sung this song and belted it out, Larry the Laker checking in. Larry, welcome back. Hey guys,
6: how you doing, man? Good to talk to you.
0: Good. You like this song, Larry? To remind you, of some good oh, times, right. some big wins. That's a staple
6: for sure. You know, uh, and I mean, let's face it. How how could these, these things go any better? I mean, pitchers and catchers are reported. You know, we've got Trevor Bauer. Uh, things are looking up. I mean, uh, we're we're excited here in LA these days.
3: Speaking of looking up, that's exactly what the Lakers are doing to the Jazz. Oh, oh the. Lakers are looking up a long way at, these, at this point,
6: too. I mean, uh, hey, you know, PK, the Jazz are absolutely for real. I, being a Laker fan, have found it kind of annoying listening to these national pundits always poo-pooing, you know, what the Jazz have done. What is it? Is it 21 out of 22 now? I, or, oh, no, they lost another the game to the club. But still, 21 out of 23 or something? Yeah, that doesn't it. happen by accident. I mean, that's, that's a huge run. And I've watched, I would say, for the first two-thirds of this run, I really only saw bits and pieces of the Jazz. But in the last couple of weeks, I've seen a couple of their games, and it's really impressive what they're doing. So these people nationally who keep saying, oh, yeah, that's just a hot streak, they're, they're just not paying attention as usual, I would say. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Well, remember last year, of course, all year long, and at this point this will give you know Jazz fans to take heart, Every single one of these national windbags bags was saying, "Oh well, the Lakers are pretty good, but I mean the Clippers are clearly the best team." That was on every show, you know, and we all know how that went. So, um, you know, we'll see. I gotta say, I'm. It's a little disappointing for me tonight because I was really looking forward. Like two weeks ago, totally had this to day circled. Couldn't wait to see the matchup.
4: But what you're going to see tonight
6: is a great Jazz team and a very at this point in time. Mediocre to not even great Laker team. So, uh, hopefully they can hang in there, but I have a feeling Jazz fans might be, you know, um, singing We Love SLC tonight when it's all over.
0: (laughs) So, the thing that keeps Jazz fans, well, one, there's just the, just the, uh, the, the memories of so many good Laker teams and losing so many playoff series and looking up at him in the standing so many years. There's all of that. And then there's just LeBron-defying time. And so when slash if AD's healthy, and I guess we can get into that and see, see what, if anything, you know what the scuttlebutt is. And, and obviously Schroeder's out for a week, but he's supposed to be back Friday and he'll miss the Jazz game, but then he should be back. But when they have their guys, the Lakers have played games where so they look like they ought to be the favorites. <laughs> they're the defending champs, they're playing at a high level, you, you know, you're the king until you're beaten. So how much of that are you still feeling? They're going to get healthy, or are you just looking at AD thinking, uh, this isn't the year?
6: You know, AD is really not my worry. And, and AD, what he has is, and, and I play a bunch of tennis,
0: and I'm nowhere
6: near in the condition these guys are, but uh, a couple of years ago, I went through a situation where I strained a calf pretty badly and I sat out for like three weeks, but I was really, really hoping to get back on the court. So in, you know, when I was walking around, it was a little sore, but just a little tiny bit, no big deal. So I went out there, played for like five minutes, took a step the wrong way. The whole thing seized up. And I didn't play for like six weeks after that. It was so like messed up. Caps are like hamstrings are super, super tricky. If you don't let them, 100% 100% heal and you do anything, you're just going to make it worse. So I really believe in the AD world. They're just saying, listen, we can't win without him, which has been very much proven. Um, so we are going to take this to the point where not only is it not sore, it's not sore at all. Like it's 100%, and then he's going to play. Um, LeBron, LeBron is, he, he really annoyed me in that game the other night. And I know it sounds completely. Terrible to say LeBron will you when he basically got you a championship last year. But he needs to rest some more. You can see it on the court. He is not, at this point, firing on all cylinders. He's he's having to take parts of the game off when he's in the game. He's settling for, like, fall-away three-pointers, like, constantly. Not just a couple times a game. Um, because you can tell he's gassed. And he keeps saying to the press, you know, it's his little narrative. Oh, no, I'm not tired. You know, uh, my age doesn't mean it. I don't know if it's his age. I just think that this team, and the same with the Heat, you know, uh, they turned it around, uh, what was it, seven weeks after the championship series? The shortest turnaround any teams have had in North American sports history. They turned it around and started playing again. They need more time off. And it doesn't matter if the Lakers are the fourth seed or the fifth. It doesn't matter. They just need to be healthy. So that's my hope that, you know, AD will be fine. I really believe that. But LeBron has got to start just – there was people yesterday, if you would have heard L.A. sports radio, the big talk around town has been that LeBron should not have made the trip to Utah because everybody figures Utah is so good they're just going to spank them anyway. And he could take take a couple days off, and then he gets Schroeder back for Friday against Portland and try to win that game. So that's where people are sitting on that. It's just um, it can be a little frustrating watching LeBron try to like almost like bowl his way through this wall that seems that he seems to have hit right now.
3: Well, you praise us and our Jazz, but yet you were on Twitter saying enjoy it now because those threes aren't falling in the playoffs. Admit it, you're an <laughs> adversary and a hater. Actually, I was more
6: cutesy than that. I said, "You know, this is very enjoyable." Now, uh, I said something more to the effect of, "It'll be curious to see how a team thrives shooting all those threes in the playoffs, where things tighten up and slow down." But what, hey, PK, this is the honesty, God truth. If I heard a voice from above right now uh, say to me, Larry, this year the Lakers just aren't going to win. It's just not going to happen it's been preordained so get used to it. it's not going to happen. I would say there are there are two franchises I would truly like to see win a title.
0: Celtics Clippers. Num-
6: no, no, that's one <laughs> of the ones I would never want. Uh, I know. But the two franchises are the Jazz and I'd also like to see Portland win. And basically for the same reason they each have a player that I think is a mega talent that you know Dame and, and Donovan Mitchell and they also have these incredibly loyal, long-suffering fans. I mean, Portland won, but I would say two-thirds of your listeners right now weren't even born when they won. So, I mean, it would be great for those cities to finally get off the schneid and get a title. So I am not jazz-averse. I To say I hate the, the Celtics is the understatement of all time, but they're no threat to anybody anyway. Um, the Clippers is the team, I have to tell you guys, that worry me a bit. Because... They have a coach now. They didn't have a coach the last three years. They had a media figure. But now they have a guy who actually seems to be putting things together and getting that team to play well. And they're a bit of a front-runner team. In other words, when they're hot, when they're playing well, they tend to really run it up on people. But they're good, no doubt about it.
3: Well, I am, I'm dismayed here. It's clear the Jazz, and Portland. I see what you're doing. You are pouring salt into the wound of me as a long-time suffering Phoenix Suns fan. I see what you did there. Don't think you could slip it past me. You know, I remember the great
6: days of Alvin Adams and the Greyhound, Walter Davis, and oh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you yeah, know, a good one. But, you know, you guys have CP3, and he annoys me. Cause he's, <laughs> <you know.
3: laughs> That's all-star CP3. Is he an all-star? Did he make it? Yeah, he did. Yes. Oh,
6: okay. <laughs> hey, good for him. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, mean I got really nothing against the Suns. It's just, uh, but, I mean, let's face it, PK, that Jazz fan base, I mean, those people are rabbits. I mean, they're crazy rabid. But where would... Do you guys have a parade route you know, like in in LA everybody knows it goes down Figueroa past Staples Center to downtown where would it be in Salt Lake City
3: We're coming down and we're going on Sepulveda and Rosecrans
0: <laughs>
6: <Sorry>. <laughs> Well, if I can walk over and watch that would be awesome
0: There was a uh... There have been a couple, like, pseudo-parade kind of things. Like, there was an undefeated Utah football team that wasn't number one, but they were undefeated. So they went down State Street to the county courthouse. So maybe they do that. And then the – When the Utes lost, the saddest parade you've ever seen, Larry. I mean, the saddest parade. It was like a bunch of people having to go put down, you know, Old Yeller, their faithful dog and companion of the last 20 years in their childhood. They had a parade for the Utes after they lost to Kentucky in the 98 final. And look at those Ute players who we'd all interviewed and we all knew, they were so sad. I mean, Mike Doliak said he hadn't looked at the tape of the game five years later. And he said, if you come back in 10 years and ask me, I won't have looked at it then. And they had to do a parade, and they were on North Temple. So I don't know where it'll go. It's not you know, it's not like the Lakers and the Dodgers and just rolling out gazillion-dollar payrolls and just just reeling in one title after another. With a 30-year break for the Dodgers, I get it. But nonetheless.
6: Well, believe me, I, I, I get that. I mean... I will say uh with the Dodgers, you know, that is a common theme and I guess in the last you know year because of the Betts contract and now the Bauer, but until then they had won what the seven straight division titles with largely homegrown guys. I mean, uh you know, all their stars certainly. I mean, yeah, they picked up Justin Turner from the Mets, but he was a utility guy when they picked him up, you know. So, but until the Betts thing, this ownership group hadn't been oh dj that's right you're a big padre fan
0: aren't you yeah the two uh,
3: big spenders going at each other it
0: is true and it is so weird a five trillion
3: dollar <laughs> contract to tatiste <laughs> have Unbelievable. We talked about, dj have we talked about the fact that i'm good buddies of preller
0: no
6: yeah yeah well the, the, uh he's he's a he's a great guy really interesting guy and uh I'm I'm actually quite proud of him. I mean, that's another thing where I think the Dodgers, barring injury, are going to win anyway. But I wouldn't <laughs> mind him, him getting Well, it's kind of sweet because I can call him up, and uh, especially when my boys were younger. You know, one's in college and one's just about to be now, so they don't even want to see Dad anymore. But when they were, um, I could call him up and he'd set us up with seats right on top of the Padre dugout and everything but uh the only thing was i was banned from wearing any dodger gear or whatever you know if i was going to take the free seat so you know we faked it well but <laughs> yeah that, that's going to be exciting but i i just i wanted to, to talk to you guys before this game tonight originally thinking this would be just a great night of basketball fingers crossed that lebron stops hoisting up threes from the logo and uh maybe they can stay within 10 or something but uh Your Jazz are very impressive, very impressive. From the logo, does LeBron think he's Jimmer? Have have you not? not, That's become a thing with him. The the announcer, they call it the logo three. And for a while it's been cute because he would do it when they were up by 15. But the game they blew the other night to the, the, uh, I was going to say the Bullets, the Wizards, um, you know, they're down by three with like 10 seconds left. He crosses midcourt and hoists up a three. It was the biggest brick you've ever seen, too. But, I mean, <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, people like me are saying he obviously is gassed. He, I mean, you know, the normal LeBron would put his head down and try to get in the But he's just, there's a lot of times in these games he just walks it up, pulls up, and fires from 45, you know. And, and I think he's made, like, two of them, which is the worst thing that could happen because then he thinks he can make them. So, who knows? And he's
3: dissing the greatest Laker of all time.
6: Uh, uh, he's he's no longer here (laughs) but uh i you know when do they play oh that's right we don't have the second half schedule yet i'm really looking forward now to seeing that second half of the season schedule and maybe because the jazz have been so dominant they'll put them like wouldn't it be great like back to back the last two games well I was going to say the last two games of the year, but I don't think the Lakers are going to be in contention for the best record. I think they'll fall off by four or five games. So ah, we'll just see when they play in the second half.
0: Well, Larry, you didn't really stir the pot with all your jazz love. We thought you'd come on and stir the pot like you have so many times, but you're, you're pulling for them when they play the Clippers. That's clear.
6: Oh, there, there's no doubt about that. You got nothing. Let's get those guys to Seattle where they belong and be done with them.
0: Oh, jeez. Send him back to San Diego. Tired of LA stealing our teams. <laughs> Not a problem, guys. All right, thanks, Larry. All, All right, right. Guys, there it is. There's a there's a new and improved Larry the Laker. Man, he would come on in like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine in there when the Jazz seemed to be playing the Lakers in the playoffs every year. Stir the pot and infuriate people. It's a kinder, gentler Larry now.
3: Well, I think you have to respect the team, and he's obviously a hardcore. Basketball fan, and he's talking about Alvin Adams and the Greyhound back, uh, what was that, early '80s in the Fe- in Phoenix Suns, and he just I've never heard called
0: them the Bullets. Yeah, I know. I've never heard the Greyhound.
3: Oh, I think that's what they called uh, Walter Davis.
0: And I've heard, I've heard of Walter Davis. I just didn't know that nickname.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah, he went to North Carolina and all that, right. uh, so you should have heard of him. But yeah. uh, so he's obviously a basketball fan. And the point I'm making is, if you're a basketball fan. You have to acknowledge what the Jazz are doing. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, you can hate them all you want, but you have to acknowledge that they are doing very, very well. And it's, it, the question for the Jazz is how far can they carry us out? How long can this go? That's the only question that is involving this ball club right now is how far can they go? What is their level of advancement? First round, second round, third round, finals, right? Somewhere in between, somewhere at the end. They get to the finals, depending on who they're playing, probably Philadelphia or Brooklyn, can they beat them four times, right? It's not a question, are they good enough now, I don't think. I think that question has been answered. How far can they carry it out when they go up against the best of the best?
0: I think the legit thing for national people who want to question the Jazz, the, the whole dismiss of the Jazz aren't good thing, that doesn't fly. Because they've got the best record. It's like you said, you're getting about halfway through this season. Yeah, we're beyond that. Right. So you got to be beyond that. But in the playoffs, when you're looking at the defending champs, when you're looking at other teams that have a two-time champion uh, – And you don't, it's not a question of just one, you'd probably have to beat two or three, maybe even three, all three of those teams that all have this championship pedigree. And you have a guy who's been to the Western Conference final, and most of your guys haven't been past the second round. You've been out in the first round the last couple of years. That's why why there's a question. That's a legit. That's why we're we're asking the question. That's a legit question to bring up nationally. Until they get to the point. Right. You know, these other guys have the championship pedigree and championship experience, and you can, you know, like whichever of the teams you like, but there's multiple Lakers, Clippers, Nets sitting out there, and you don't have that. Now, the thing is, when you say that about the Jazz, you better be saying it about Philly because they don't have it either. You know, so when you talk about these other teams, how do you talk about them? But there are three teams that have got it, and can you take them down? Well, the
3: Clippers only have one player, though, so let's not yeah, go crazy it's here. true. I mean, they don't have anybody else – well, I guess Ibaka, he's got it, but I mean, he's...
0: In Toronto the one year, he, right? He
3: was, in, he was a decent player in his day, but I don't think he's to that level now. And their coach has a uh, championship,
0: so because Lou won with Cleveland.
3: Lou, Lou won with LeBron. Right? Yeah, he <laughs> so, did. Uh, you could put in, I could have coached <laughs> the Cleveland team. <laughs> uh, so, get the ball that guy. Uh but nevertheless, he does have it. So that's the reason why you have the question. If they had already won, if they're coming off a title last year, you wouldn't have that question. They would be considered right now, if they had won a title last year with a record that they did this year or even two years ago, they would be considered the overwhelming favorite or at least the considerable favorite to win it. But because they don't have that, that's a legitimate question. That's why the only thing involving the Jazz is how far can they string this thing out. When's it going to end? Is it going to end in the finals with a victory? Is it going to end in the finals and could just go all the way down? Is it going to end in the conference final with blah, blah 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 blah? You know, where's it going to end? That that's it. That's the only mystery left. That's a huge mystery. I understand This stuff. Oh, are they legit? Uh, can this stuff work? Blah blah blah. I think that's already.
0: All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Everything you missed in this show. Tiger Woods, the Jazz, Connelly, not an all-star. A lot of ground to cover. We will do it next. Stay with us.
4: The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson people who really know basketball thought Mike Conley would make the adjustment quicker than ordinary, but it actually could have worked in the exact opposite way, where he was so entrenched in what he'd been doing. Then he comes to the Jazz, and he's playing with different players, and Quinn wants to play a little differently, and he's got to adjust to all that. I
0: always thought he was going to have to fit in with Donovan and Rudy. I think I underestimated how difficult that transition was going to be for him, but what I think it does say is how coachable Mike Conley is. It'd be easy to say, I'm Mike W you, Conley. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sit down and pay attention. You might just learn something. You know, that wasn't his take all along.
1: Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 10 seconds to go into the fourth court. Sexton
0: left side to Stevens down the lane. Oh, with two hands. Stevens hit it. Beasley ball batted away. It's on the floor. Bucks have a turnover. Dante, the disruptor, made
4: the play.
1: Connaughton to Giannis for the slam.
4: Jokic left side of the midcourt circled. More than happy to kill time with 35 seconds left to go in the ball game. Now he beats
5: Cantor,
1: gets down the lane. You're a step and a dump with two hands. Doncic with six and five and four and three to his left. Pulls up from the hash mark. It's good! It's good! With a tenth of a second remaining as Doncic nails the game winner.
0: And the Mavericks will win it 110-107. to Big finish for Luka Doncic. 31-point game, two go-ahead buckets. The game winner with a tenth of a second left. The Mavericks take down the Celtics 110, 107. Mavericks 500, Celtics a game below 500, but a good finish nonetheless. Isn't it weird how bad the Celtics are? We always talk about the worst, could, man. In, the worst in the West. You know, who's underachieving in the West? And you look at Dallas and Denver, but who's underachieving in the East? You got to go right to the Celtics, don't you?
3: I guess so. I don't pay a whole lot of uh, attention to the East, but I've seen stories on that. They're a 500-team, and within the conference final last year, if I remember. So if you go based on that, then absolutely. Yeah.
0: Paying attention to the West and the Jazz, and the team's chasing the Jazz. Jazz and Lakers tonight. Lakers are third now. Clippers all alone in second place after their win over the Wizards, 135-116. Kawhi Leonard goes for 32. Paul George goes for 30. The rest of the starters don't want to do anything, but they had four guys off the bench in double figures. And the Clippers are now three games behind the Jazz. So, handle the Wizards easily, three back.
3: Yeah, I don't really pay attention much to the
0: West either. (laughs) Okay, thanks for that. (laughs) The Nuggets three games over five hundred. I keep waiting. Now, now they're going to get on a roll, PK. Well, we'll see. They got the win last night. They beat the Blazers. That's a gonna, good yeah. win. They're seventh. The Blazers are sixth. One. Yeah.
3: I don't know that I see them getting on a roll, but I see them at any given time being dangerous.
0: So they're they're not capable of getting hot and getting into the four five series.
3: I don't know if they need to get hot to do that.
0: Well, they though. probably don't. I'm looking at the standings now. They're a game behind the Spurs and the Blazers, who are 5-6. and six. So, fifth place, they're only a game away. There's some separation now with the Suns. The Suns have, joined, have left the rest of the pack behind and joined the top three.
3: And see, so the so Suns are an interesting case study, like we've spoken about the Jazz. The Jazz have already established themselves – as one of the better teams in the Western Conference. That's been a fact, right? So we're not discussing that. We're discussing can they go all the way. That's their discussion. The discussion for the Suns, it's a different discussion, but there's still a discussion in are they one of the better teams in the West? The Jazz have already answered that. The Suns are a Johnny-come-lately, so you're asking yourself, are they one of the better teams like you just did? That's where they're at on the timeline.
0: Sun... Denver, to me, go ahead. Uh, the Suns are now a game behind the Lakers and a game and a half behind yeah. the Clippers, four and a half behind the Jazz. But they're now two and a half games clear of the Spurs and Blazers and three and a half in front of the Nuggets. So,
3: But it's a legitimate question, can they maintain it? Yeah. Because they don't have a track record, just like the Jazz don't have a track record of going deep in the playoffs. That's why fo- people are focusing on that. Now, for Denver, you know, they can get to fourth, I think. They can win a bunch of games. I don't know that they'll go on a big streak of, you know, 10 out of 11 or whatnot. I'm not sure they're that good. But in any given game, when you've got a superstar, which they have, Jokic is a superstar, combined with Murray, who's a very good player, and some other guys who can get hot, as we've seen firsthand a few weeks back, they're a dangerous club.
0: Well, I guess one of the big questions with Chris Paul is how many games is he going to play? Because we've seen in previous seasons, you know, he can miss 20 or 25 games. Uh, he was pretty good Not last, the last year. Two. He was pretty good last year, right? He played 70 yeah. games, and that was a shortened season, so that's a full season. But before that, 58 in Houston, 58 in Houston, 61 with the Clippers.
3: Yeah, but that's before that, man. Nobody cares about that. It's now. What are you doing now? Well, he's
0: only missed one game this year. He's been great. So last year and this year, really? uh, he's been money. And as long as he stays right. in the lineup, that's great. But if he goes out, how quickly do they. Do they fall off? And before but he's not la- out. I know, but before last year he had three straight seasons where he got dinged up so one way what? or another. So <laughs> what? Well, he's in his 30s, PK. It's not unusual to have a problem. He's had one healthy year in his 30s. So it's not out of the realm to look at that and wonder.
3: Uh, that's what you think. So be it.
0: All right, any other uh, NBA games you want to highlight? Nets crushed the Kings. Good for them. They should. They did. Starting to see guys waved. See if you, uh, I don't know anybody who's really going to change the fortunes of anyone, but uh, you were talking about the Lakers, and you won't be surprised if they add somebody. So now we're waiting to see who will get let go that they might want to add that would be a, a game-changer for them. Nets and Rockets waiting, guys, but nobody, nobody I think was a game-changer. So that is the NBA. For the Jazz, it's the Jazz and the Lakers uh, tonight. Uh, Jazz coming in 25-6, and and 21 of the 25 wins are by double digits. So they've had six losses, they've had four wins by single digits, and they've run 21 teams off the floor, which is why when Larry the Laker came on, he said the debate in L.A. was should LeBron, who says he's not tired, but most people in L.A. think he is, should have even gotten on the plane to come for this game. Uh, A.D. can't go. Dennis Schroeder can't go. You're down your second-best player. You're down two starters. You know, it's an eight-and-a-half point spread according to Vegas. So we know, though, that LeBron has a history of having big games in Utah, and he also has a history of him having big games and then his team losing somehow. He had that 50-point game early in his career and got the standing ovation, and he seems to come back and have some pretty big games. But one way or another, his team often gets beat.
3: Well, LeBron's LeBron, man. He's a proven commodity. We have no questions about LeBron as far as I'm concerned. He's a 100% com- proven commodity. You know, the thing that I was reading and Larry was talking about resting is the worst-case scenario for the Lakers is he plays in the 40-minute range and they lose. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if you're going to lose, you should have rested him. Yeah. And that's going to be a dilemma for this team. But – Without the couple of guys, and if you're down two starters, that's a blow. I mean, I don't think anybody can deny that. But also, in a, any given game, Kuzma can go for 25. Uh, Harrell has been playing nice off the bench. He can go. This uh, Caldwell-Pope, or is it Pope Caldwell? I think K-T- it's caldwell
0: KCW. Contavious yeah. Caldwell-Pope. He, he can go off. He can absolutely go off. All right. So, when
3: you're looking at a one-game basis, you name it, and it can potentially happen. So, you take nothing for granted here. I don't know. I don't follow NBA lines. So, I don't know how eight and a half or whatever that point is. I don't know what that relates to. What would that be if... Anthony Davis was playing. Would the Lakers be favored? I, I, I don't know how those things work. I really don't follow basketball, seems like the most senseless of all sports to bet as far as that goes. Because you just, you know, in, in baseball, if you have a big lead, well, you don't uh, steal. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily mm-hmm. take the extra base, it changes the game. You, cur- you curtail it back. Well, in basketball, when the subs get in, you know, in football, the subs, if they, they're you not know, supposed to be throwing bombs or whatnot, but when the subs get in in basketball, they can do what they want. You know, it's not viewed as running it up in the last possession, maybe, but the rest of the possessions, they're expected to play as if it was a tie game, so the point being that that could end up changing point spreads, not the outcome, but the point spread, so I have never paid attention to betting in basketball, so I don't know. Is eight points an outrageous amount? Did that Does that equate to 21 in football or what? I really don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I don't pay that close attention to it for that reason you said, that after the game is decided, weird things happen, you know, and, and it changes so fast. And you don't know, like, Quinn was trying to clear his bench earlier, and they just didn't have a whistle. They didn't have a dead ball to get the subs in, and finally they called timeout. To get the starters off the floor because the game was over. You have weird stuff like that impacting the games. The the BYU game uh, at Loyola Marymount. BYU's up by 32, and you clear the bench at the end of the game, and Loyola goes on a 15-0 run to close the game, and BYU wins by 17. You know, it doesn't. The the, the final score doesn't necessarily reflect how close the game was or wasn't. There's winning. Yeah, and
3: those guys when they get in, if they want to jack up threes, so be it. Nobody really says anything.
0: Yep. Uh, a little college basketball, is going to allow 1,750 fans into the Marriott Center for their home games this week, according to head coach Mark Pope. That's about 10% of capacity, not quite, but roughly ballpark there. So you have a chance to see two games. They'll have senior night Saturday. I don't actually know the game time. I assume it's night. I guess it could be senior afternoon, but you get the point. These are the last two home games in the regular season. But the West Coast Conference Tournament and no, the Mount West Conference Tournament are saying no fans at all there, so...
4: This How is, did
3: they come up with that number?
0: Yak and I were talking about that in a break, and he, and Pope apparently said there'd be basically a one fan for every ten seats. And I was I was asking Yak because they don't know the new capacity. They redid the Marriott Center, and the number came down a little because it was twenty two thousand or something like that at one point. Um, but if they're letting in like say I don't know 150 to 250 friends and family do those count as part of the fans and would that put it right at 10% I'm going to assume that that's going to be an addition to what Or they're-, they're counting all the game personnel and all the players on the benches and the coaches it feels like ten percent. Pope's original comment yesterday was we're planning on around two thousand fans. And then he followed it up saying seventeen fifty. So I'm kind of in the same ballpark ushers as you. That, and all that. the extra two fifty is the family and friends in addition to the seventeen hundred plus fans. Hmm. Whatever. Yeah, seventeen fifty does seem like a weird number, but I don't know if you take that up to, you know, if you, if you count, if you figure everyone breathing is what matters. So you add in players and ushers and. Whoever's running the clock and all that stuff, maybe it's right at 10%. Maybe that's the number they came up with. But it'll be uh, zero fans for the West Coast Conference and the Mountain West Tournaments in Vegas. I uh, haven't heard from the Pac-12 yet, but wouldn't be surprised if they went the same direction. But they haven't said yet.
3: So, in other words, it'll be like uh, Pacific versus Portland.
0: Yes, or exactly, right? This will impact Gonzaga and BYU games. But after that, how big an impact will it be? Did St. Mary's take people? Did they have like 200, 300 fans there?
3: Yeah, maybe a little, but it is overwhelming Gonzaga. Yeah, okay. I've been to each and every one of them since BYU has been down there, and it is absolutely the Gonzaga thing. I mean, guys, the Gonzaga fans are all over the place because this is their thing. You know, they don't yeah. have yeah. this is the one thing they can count on. They don't have a football program, so they're not spending any money there going to bowl games or whatnot. And NCAA Tournament, you don't know where you're going, but you know you're going to Vegas on that first weekend of March, and they just flock to it. It's very, very impressive.
0: So you schedule your vacation time, and you know you're trading Spokane mm-hmm. for Vegas and heading south when the weather in March is still a little iffy And there's to the probably
3: north. about a 90% chance you're going to see them win.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it's going to see a victory. <laughs>
3: yeah. And you're going you're gonna to be with them when they cut down the nets and – Blah, 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 and so everybody goes home happy.
0: And we talked a little Tiger Woods this morning. We had Brian Taylor on from Real Golf Radio. Tiger Woods under went extensive surgery on his lower right leg, uh, the ankle. And so uh, he said he talked to a friend of his who is a doctor and does this kind of surgery, orthopedic surgery, and said for a normal person, it would be a year to get back to full function. Uh, You know, Tiger's an elite athlete and maybe driven, so a little faster maybe. But that's kind of the timeline. It's going to be a while. But uh, I think everybody who's seen the car says, hey, the good news is he's alive. So there's that because the the car was just thrashed, totaled.
3: Oh, very much so. I mean, obviously that's what matters the most. And whether he plays golf again, I'm sure it matters to him. When I say play golf again, I'm talking about a high competitive level. If he does, man, uh, it is going to be quite the story. Uh, and he has an opportunity to do so much good in this world, though, going forward, that that's the most important thing.
0: That's what we've been talking about. When we come back, your feedback, everything you've hit us up with on Twitter, if you've used the, uh, you got anything from the app today, people using the open mics, and they're got one. Uh, I think we know who, right? No, it's actually not who you think. Really? All right, well, you can always grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic feature. You can still do it right now. Send us your takes, Conley and All-Star, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Yaka get it on the air next. Stay with us.
4: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Why do people give so much shade to the Jazz for losing a 3-1 lead in the playoffs when the Clippers did the same
6: thing to the same team? I don't understand.
0: I think the Clippers do get heat for doing that. I think the coach lost his job over that. I think, uh, I mean, I think there is blowback. I think we don't notice as much because we're not living in L.A., we're living in Salt Lake City. What do you think, PK?
3: I think I would largely agree with you. I'm trying to come up with reasons why I can support that take on the open mic. Uh...
0: Okay, I guess the thing he's got going for him there, and the other thing I would say is uh, the Clippers are a little immune to it and don't catch the full brunt of it because they did change the coach, so there's no no reason to reference back because the coach has changed. And Kawhi having two titles with two organizations gives them a level of credibility that's going to minimize how much heat. They take heat for it, but they don't take that much heat going forward because their star players won two championships. And at some point – everybody's blown. I mean, the Clippers blew it, but LeBron's blown it. Shouldn't have lost to the Mavericks when they were up 2-0. Uh, the Lakers blew it with the Showtime. They had a series against the Celtics. They never should have lost. They should have won that thing, as one Laker once said, five games to two. But they blew two games, and they lost in seven. So everybody's Dang. blown it at some point.
3: Okay. All right, fine. But the Jazz, is the great thing about it, man, is that there's no what ifs and whatnot. You go ahead and win.
0: Yeah, the respect it's, doesn't matter.
3: You're gonna get all the acclaim you could possibly handle. You're gonna get it a thousand times over. That's the great thing about this whole thing is we'll find out one way or the other in time, and we'll know for sure.
0: There's no selection committee to leave teams out or to seed teams and give them an easier path. You get the seeding you earn with your regular season. So what everybody thinks. Annoying in the minute, but doesn't have an impact in the big picture. You either win or you don't. Yeah. All right, more feedback coming in. People uh, tweeting at us, at DavidDJJames. A lot of people tweeting about uh, Mike Conley and the All-Star team. And Gobert's on it. Mitchell's on it but Conley is not at least not yet we'll see there'll be at least one maybe there'll be more but there'll be at least one injury replacement that has to be named here not at all outraged and disappointed that Mike Conley didn't make the all-star team people keeping it to disappointment it really comes down to they just name the guys who score the most points and if you're over 24 points a game you're probably in if you're under 24 you don't have a very good shot there's there's three guys who are down in the teens and scoring where Mike is who made it and it's Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons, who are contributing teams that have the best record in the conference. And it's Chris Paul, who's getting recognized uh, for his career and for the big turnaround the Suns are making this season. And he's obviously the key new piece. As you pointed out, PK, they got young players, so they should have been improving anyway. But he comes in, and they are suddenly fourth in the West, and only a game and a half out of second.
3: I am surprised about that pick, though, and it's certainly no knock on Chris Paul. I thought the Suns were worthy of one all-star selection, and I thought that selection would go to Booker, and it didn't, and that surprises me.
0: Paul has a rep and Booker doesn't, and uh, your surprise can be minimized here if Booker is named as the replacement uh, for Anthony Davis. I thought Booker made
3: it last year. Am I wrong?
0: I'd have to look that up. I thought he did, too. Then I'll take he did.
3: Yeah. So I thought that he would be the guy, but I'm totally fine with Chris Paul because I believe that the emphasis of winning should be very, very high in the importance of it, and that should go into it. Now, that's number one. We say, well, what about Mike Conley? No, Mike Conley would be number three in Booker terms was of an how many guys on the team. Yeah, that's what I thought. So – If you're going to pick Paul as the Suns representative, great. Asking Conley to be picked as the third representative when his big statistical claim, if you're going to go on that, I'm not saying you should, but if you're going to go on that, all of a sudden we're placing a huge amount of emphasis on plus-minus. I place emphasis on winning. The reason why I would have picked him is because the team is winning, but you know I think it's a knock against them that they went six and zero. It's like his own team. Did his own team sabotage his All Star uh, credential by going six and zero without him? I think maybe some people thought about that. Now I don't know when the vote came in. As far as was it a was it a week ago, so it wasn't all six games, or did they do it earlier this week? I'm not sure when the vote was actually conducted.
0: Yeah, I don't know for sure either. You would think uh, now that you could just click online and fill something out and, you know, they can have it and tabulate it five right. minutes later, that it would be right. more recent. You know, we're, we're a little There's past... that many guys we yeah, are asking to vote. We're a little past the days of licking a stamp and sending snail mail here. So this ought to be...
3: Although maybe, you know, if I'm Conley and the Jazz, I might claim some election fraud there. <laughs> maybe we decide this March 6th. Okay. I'm just going with the times.
0: Yeah, it's the headlines. Fresh is today's headlines. There it is. There it is. All right, anything else you want to pass along before we make way for Hans and Scotty? Any final words? Expecting a Jazz victory tonight? The Lakers shorthanded?
3: I'm at the point where I always expect Expect a a Jazz
0: jazz victory. victory.
3: But what I'm curious to see is what the shooting percentages are because I think there's some level of truth to the law of numbers or the law of averages, and, man, they shot the ball. In such a short span of time, too, it was really just the second half. They went berserk. Now, you don't need that level of shooting proficiency to win the game for sure. But nevertheless, even with Anthony Davis out, this is still a big game. And with Schroeder out, this is still a big game because it's LeBron coming to town. And LeBron is the biggest show in basketball for sure. And it's on national television, right? Is it an ESPN spiel?
0: That's why is it's that an eight o'clock, going on 8 o'clock game tonight and it's an hour later. It's ESPN and uh, they usually do side-by-side. So I assume if you want to watch Bowler and Thurl, they'll be on AT&T. And then the, uh, if you want the national, will be on ESPN. And so I, people get yeah.
3: excited for that yep. to play. Players get excited, so I'm really looking forward to it. And like Larry the Laker, I've had it circled for weeks. It's watered down some, but so what? DJ PK, we're out of your hands. And Scott, you up next. We'll see you.